This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Josh Radcliffe is here to talk about a compulsive list maker and a hilarious homage to the action film with high fidelity and hot fuzz. Welcome! Hey! (laughs) How's it going? Good, how are you? It's Uh, It's been about a year. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Like, things are going really good. Um, and because of that, I have more people wanting to do the podcast. So everybody oh, cool. spread out more. And that's so awesome. people are just like, oh, I haven't done this in, in forever. Yeah, like, I, I look like it's been a year. That's my favorite part of this. <laughs> that I've, like, it looks like time has passed based on my little sc- video screen. Like my mm-hmm. hair is all long. And you got, um, you got look- the bushy beard yeah, starting yeah, up yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, about two weeks ago, because I, I am a Montreal Canadiens fan, I didn't trim my beard for the playoffs mm-hmm. and they went all the way. So it was so uncomfortable in July to have a giant beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, when they lo- when they lose I, the my consolation is I'm going to get to take this off. Yes. So this is actually my this is a trim look compared to like where it was before. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> now I know the Montreal Canadiens are hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the outcome of that whole thing? They they lost in the finals. Oh, okay. So yeah. so your beard did not help them win, is what it I'm did not. Guess. No, nor did all the other things I did. Um, which was I ate pizza before every game uh, with a Dr Pepper. Um, what else did I do? I think that was about it, but I had a, a tower of pizza boxes that went up past my waist. Okay, so okay, but w- why is pizza and a Dr. Pepper part of the ritual? So it was that they, they started winning and I just happened to have done those things twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I'll keep doing this. And then yeah. it became like a thing in my head that I had to do. And then it became me probably spending $300 on pizza in two months. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> These sports rituals, like people tell me all kinds of weird shit about sports, which are like not washing your socks for some reason or always making sure to step through a door backwards before the game or some nonsense. And I'm like, why do you think this is helping? Who is this helping exactly? This well, is just crazy. I- I, I would hundred percent know it was silly and it wasn't doing anything. These are all millionaires playing miles and miles away. Me yeah. eating pizza has nothing to do with anything, uh, but it was an excuse for me to eat a lot of pizza. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good excuse to eat a lot of pizza. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't it wasn't harming anybody except my uh, my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But watching hockey was doing the same thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that is ex- that is an acceptable excuse. I will accept <laughs> that. Okay, um, the next time I yeah. want a movie to be good, I will make sure to just eat a whole chocolate bar before I watch it. That's it. Exactly. I, I yeah. like chocolate, and, and that's the way you do it. You got it. You just gotta, like I think I said at the end, like that was good. Let's do that again next year. Maybe start winning after I start eating salads. Yes. <laughs> All of a sudden, you lose like a hundred pounds, and you're fit, and you're just like, now I could be a hockey player. Exactly. And then get out there, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like Popeye. And exactly. <laughs> Eat all the spinach. Yeah. No, that's too close. Eat all the kale. 
That's right. Yeah, eating <laughs> eating all the kale. Is that, and, is that the uh, new thing? And then like shooting lasers out of my eyes or something. What yes. does kale do? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it's 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 hard to eat. Um, I once like somebody told me like no no the reason why you you don't like kale and you're you're doing is you have to massage the leaves before you like cook it and then you know ingrain it with like oils and stuff and I was like I'm giving it a back rub and then devouring it like that's crazy what screw kale I will do something else <laughs> you need you need to treat your kale like a a Greek um, like uh, hedonist from. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's you need the to feature. Feed it grapes on its and its chaise lounge. And, yeah, uh, um, it's it's the future. So Heaton is a bot. Will will uh, take care of my <laughs> kale for me. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's kale's final form. <laughs> oh, here I am. <laughs> Love it. Uh, <laughs> wow, we have started extremely off topic already. That's right. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, <laughs> as I t- sit here sweating in my very hot apartment already, it's great. Um, it takes like three seconds. I turn off my fan two minutes later. I'm just like sweats pouring yep. for me. Yeah, I really do yep. need to move and get somewhere that has air conditioning. I, I, I think I just need a new help. air conditioner. Mine yeah. is so loud and, and barely functional. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was it's it. I have a pretty good sound system in my apartment, as I'm sure we'll talk about when we talk about this movie. Yeah, um, but um, it, it, it's still hard to hear stuff on the TV through it because oh, no. the air conditioner is just going. <laughs> yeah. I think you just need an upgrade at that point. Yeah. No, there's one that's like cool, but they're expensive. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's the biggest problem. Like, well, to be honest, I did used to have an air conditioner. Um, and last summer, this is kind of a pointless and gross story, but it might my brother thinks it's hilarious. Um, like it's a, it's a really old air conditioner. It was like a hand-me-down from a friend of mine when I moved in here and they found I didn't have air conditioning and it was loud and everything, but really maybe like one week of summer, I would really use it. Like I'd really need to have it or else I would just die a horrible death in here. And, um, but usually like during the winter and stuff, it'd be on my balcony and I would cover it with like a bag and, and all that kind of stuff. And it would be fine next summer, you know, just vacuum it a little bit and then plug it in everything things good and then last summer um so across the street from me they're doing construction they cut down all the trees it was a little parkette now i have a pigeon problem but at the same time last year i forgot to cover my uh my air conditioner outside and the pigeons took it upon themselves to shit in all of the vents so now i just have this gross air conditioner on my balcony that i haven't had the heart to drag through my apartment and throw out yet because it's just disgusting so yay no air conditioning for me at all this year nature so, finds a way to point out that you've made a mistake yes every time they never let up they're, they're just like no it's three seconds three seconds too late <laughs> you it's knew over. you did you knew we were supposed to do something you didn't do it do now it. you're gonna pay yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so now my yeah yeah but also even it's also like yours though like it's so old that it's so loud and even if i had it on i'd have to turn it off during this and i guess i'd probably last like 15 minutes instead of three minutes so that may have helped a little bit i think that my previous appearances were about 15 minutes right that's how long we went (laughs) yeah (laughs) before the torture sent in (laughs) no what's happening i'm melting i don't know apparently today i'm gonna make 
random noises and pretend I'm different people. So it's good. It's good. We're, go we're, we're starting. We're starting high. We're starting high. Like high fidelity. That's right. Oh, yeah. Segway. <laughs> I do have to start getting better at segways because I tend to be like, and now we're done with that. We're going to go over here. No. Well, I mean, if you could just somehow get the conversation to talk about Paul Blart, uh -huh. you can just segue into segways and then you oh have a segue. Um. I both love and hate that suggestion because any suggestion to talk about um, Paul Blart is horrendous. Um, but any suggestion to segue through segues is amazing. Mm -hmm. So win-win, I am going to put it that way. Win-win. It's fine. We will do it. Paul Blart, awesome. <laughs> not, not so much. Sarcasm. It's, it's worse than you think. Yes. I think I watched like 15 minutes of it. Like it was one of those things years later, it's on TV. And I'm like, you know, I've never watched this. People said it was bad, but whatever. I've seen what's his face in Hitch. He wasn't that bad. It can't be so horrible. Yes, it was. It's it's I've never seen a movie that's so mean to its own protagonist. Mm. It's so mean to Paul Blart. Yeah. That you I feel what, you, bad you, for him. Oh, is that what it is? I you're do. just like, I can't watch this because it's you're making so, me sad. It's so mean. <laughs> like it, it it's like whoever the like god of this movie, like whoever like wrote it and directed it, just seems to want to hurt this poor man. <laughs> I mean, for a very long time, like if you were fat in a movie, the yeah. only purpose you were there for is for slapstick. So you'd get fall, you'd be punched all of these horrible things would happen to you and i guess that's what happened with paul blart but i remember when the movie spy came out with melissa mccarthy and she's a big woman of course and i was just expecting it to be exactly like that like to be mean to her like she's just gonna fall she's just gonna hurt herself people are gonna just be mean to her the whole time and to be honest they made her the most competent person in that movie yeah a little bit of slapstick happens because it's a comedy whatever but it's not happening at her or to her things just kind of happen around her and it's it's a situation and i was like oh my god there's finally a change in writing for a large person in a comedy especially where they're not just being tortured the whole time you know and yeah so if you want to get the taste of paul blart through your mouth i suggest watching spy it's great. I like Spy a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Mm -hmm. I also love, I was also so surprised at like, um, what's his name? Um, Jason Statham. He's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know he's always had the dry humor and everything, but yeah, there was something about this one that I was like, oh, you are funny. Okay, I get it. It's good. Well, I mean, how long until he's in a uh, Edgar Wright movie, right? Oh my God. I mean, yes. this, I mean, and, and not to, not to, step on our toes for a little later but i think he would have been quite at home in the movie we we the, the second movie we watched oh for sure yeah no. he would have been great in hot fuzz mm -hmm. um but uh like i don't know i think edgar wright needs a lot more praise for what he does and um like people should just be like yeah i'm gonna watch and be in his movies and do all of the things instead of cutting him from ant-man that was bullshit whatever <laughs> that movie would have been great i know it. you know what everybody knows it it's still got a couple glimmers of his stuff in it, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can you can still see it in there. Like stuff they didn't reshoot. They may have re-edited it a little bit, but you oh. could you could feel it. You could feel mm -hmm. it. Um, just like John Cusack feels the pain in High Fidelity. That's right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Top five segues. Top five segues. Um, that was number two. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so before we start recording, you had mentioned you had so much to say about this movie. Yes, um, it is a movie um, that I watched since I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I saw this when I was uh, had just moved to Ontario, so probably two thousand thirteen. So I was fifteen or sixteen, I guess. Okay. Um, and I and I was pretty attached to it pretty quickly. Um, and then I kind of became this character for a little while, for better or for worse. That's for worse, and definitely. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, and then it's like I, I'm. It sort of survived a couple different critical reevaluations over the years, and it's gone a little bit back and forth. So mm-hmm. I kind of watch it with some different eyes now. Um, and and I don't know how much like I'm quite the the staunch apologist for this movie mm-hmm. um so I, I don't know how well that's gonna go over today um but that's why i wanted to watch it with a second person yeah um so that i could write down what she had to say about it um so hi natasha you're probably listening to this um and um yeah so we'll we'll, we'll kind of talk about it i mean i think there's a lot of questions around this movie that i think has a lot to do with film language mm-hmm. and like and it, and it and it's very easily interpreted in different ways. So I think that's a, there's a good discussion around it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, like I remember watching this movie when it came out. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater and thinking that um, everything in it was just so poignant and so interesting. And so like, Oh my God, you know, you have to understand yourself and blah, blah, blah. Plus music. Oh my God. You know, like all that stuff. And I watch it now and I'm just like, you are just so full of shit. The fuck are you on? You know, the music is still good. I'll give you that. The music is still fantastic. That will not change. Yeah. It's so much velvet underground. It's so great. (laughs) It's so great. You know, it's really shocking to me. Like, all of the music they mention, I'm like, I am, I love music. Don't get me wrong. I am just very bad at holding musical information, except for the actual song mm-hmm. um, in my head. And so, like, I find I watch a movie like this and they just start naming off like songs and like artists. And I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Then I have to look it up. And then three seconds in the song, I'm like, oh, I know this song. And then I sing the whole song like word for word and everything. And so, like, watching this, I get kind of frustrated because I have to, like, pause and be like, look up, what, what song is this? What are the lyrics? Let me hear a couple of seconds. Oh, I know this song. Okay, that is a good song. I'd put that on my list, too. You know, like, it's one yeah. of those things. Um, but outside of that, yeah, like, every other thing he says is stupid besides yeah. good music. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, so I, I wouldn't blame you for not having to Google um, Ryuichi Sakamoto and Six Six Sputnik, which are name dropped in this movie. Yes. Um, what Those ones I did not know when I listened yeah, to them. No, <laughs> well, it, it's also like, and, and I'm similar, like, I have a similar thing with The Simpsons where I, like, I was able to learn a lot of pop culture information because it was a joke on The Simpsons. And then I was able to piece it together later. Mm-hmm. through other medium and that's how i kind of remember things um this is a similar thing like a lot of i watched this when i was really developing a taste in music um and so like i may not listen to every single thing that he mentions but i i a lot of my uh, i have a lot of overlap in terms of the, the references that are making and um a, a game i like to play is uh what records in this store do i own when they're walking through the the store at various scenes um <laughs> more than it should be yeah um 
but I mean, they actually have pretty some pretty impressive uh, things on the wall in there, actually, um, for 2000, especially like it was this is sort of cusp of Internet time. I mean, this was a little bit before the Internet was everywhere. Yeah, this was like just on the edge of like Napster being at like the height right. of its popularity and then getting sued by everybody and then iTunes being started kind of thing. You know, it was just like yeah. in the middle there. So, yeah, going to one thing I liked about this movie was like I remember going to the record store and trying to find something new to listen to and like, you know, just like you don't want the same thing. Like you'd walk into a store and be like, hey, do you want to listen to the Backstreet Boys? They're like, fuck no, get away from me. Yeah. You know? but at the same time i'm not a gatekeeper for music or like that entertainment like i love all sorts of stuff you know from like i don't know from of course like i'll be pretentious and say beethoven or some nonsense but then it goes to like icp i'm sorry i like i like a couple other songs and then you go to like tupac and like gnarles barkley and you know all those kinds of stuff i like i jump all over the place with my music people sometimes think it's weird they're just like what the fuck are you listening to i'm like um, it's tiptoe through the tulips. Don't you like Tiny Tim? What the fuck is your problem? Go away. You know. Uh, I'm married <laughs> on the Tonight Show, guys. Don't you remember? God, get your shit together. <laughs> um, so like, so so that whole like going to the music store experience was always great. But then there's a Jack Black character who's like the gatekeeper for music, and in every type of nerd culture there's always that guy and you just want to fight that person and i always i just wanted to fight jack black as well <laughs> yeah i don't know where i was going with this but i ended up at jack black <laughs> i wanted to fight him but i like going to record stores that are very few and far between now but oh yes. yeah if i if i get the the like if i'm taking my my record up to the till and the the clerk is just like hey i love that album I feel so good. Like it's such a, it's so stupid, yeah. Yeah. but it's such a, like, um, it's such a boost of confidence there's to get a, the, the pretentious record store jerk to give you the nod. Yeah. There's a level of validation yeah. that comes through. Right. Um, I still remember when HMV on Young Street was open and um, Childish Gambino had just put out um, Camp, mm-hmm. um, which was technically his second album. Um, but nobody hears his first album. I've listened to it. It's horrible. Don't bother. Um, but the second album on, oh, beautiful. Um, but I walked in there and I asked this girl behind the counter who's got, ugh, you know what? I'm not going to describe her because it's going to sound like mean. So I'm not going to. But I asked her, I'm like, hey, do you have the new Childish Gambino album? And she looks at me like horns just grew out of my head. You know, I just spit up blood on the counter. I'm melting into the floor. She's like, what is Childish Gambino? Like, you need to fucking relax. Okay. I'm like, it's Donald Glover. He just put out an album. It was released today. I'd like to get it. And then she like angrily typed in the computer, Childish Gambino. She's like, Childish isn't like a small child acting like bratty. Yeah, like child is C H I, you know, Gambino. She's like, oh, apparently we have like 200 copies of it. <laughs> and then she like walks up four flights of stairs and it's on the edge of the classical music section in a corner. And I pick up one and I walk away. And in like two days, it's like, it's a number one album. And I'm like, that bitch better be like, mm, that girl knew what she was talking about. I did. I did. Well, I mean, I I can see why HMV is so strong and um, like fruitful business wise today. (laughs) 
when I was oh, able yes. to su- survive the internet boom <laughs> with a plum. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. But I did spend a lot of time in HMV back in the day. Like, every oh, day yeah. I'd go in there. Yeah. Not I, just I, DVDs. Music as well. Did yeah, all no, I, I, I didn't have that many. I've never bought that many CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do own a lot of records now uh, for the last, like, 10 years. I've been yeah. doing vinyl. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was doing digital stuff before that. I wanted mm-hmm. to. But I decided, what was the more inconvenient and expensive way to experience music? And I went, here we go. I got it. The perfect way. <laughs> yeah, what can I, I sink all my money into? <laughs> I tried doing that, and that was my problem. I was like, this is way too expensive, and it's too much money. So I own, like, 10 records, but I own, like, 200 CDs. And mm-hmm. then, of course, my first thing when I buy a CD, it's the experience. Just, like, reading a book, you know, opening it up, looking through the little booklets, and, and you know, looking at the CD. Sometimes you get stuff in them. Like, Beck was really good at that. He had a couple albums that came with, like, you know, like a sticker book and, like, posters in it and all kinds of stuff and all, like, all the lyrics and everything, which was great. But then you get sad ones where it's just like, oh, it's just a piece of paper with the cover art on it. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Want something cool. Oh, but yeah. Course, when you get the CD book and it's just like the one sheet. Yeah. Like, there's no like open part to it. It's and just it's, the, it's the worst. It's so sad. You're just like, no, I, I want the experience. The whole reason for me buying the physical copy is to get more out of it. You know, I need to see the little pictures, but maybe somebody like a little out of focus in the background. And I have to like wonder how important they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, who is that? What's mm. going on? Why are they there? Did they know that person was back there? <gasps> Maybe it's a ghost. <laughs> it's, you know, just go through all the things in your head. Just let it happen. Um, but yeah, when I got a CD, the first thing I did was digitize it so it's easier for me to access. But I paid for it. I could do whatever I want with it. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, but I was also on like the Napster train as well. When that first started spending like two days downloading one song. But I got to admit, Got lots of songs. Yeah, but that, also, system, that one system of, down, of a down song that was on Napster a billion times was awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. I think I probably still have a copy of that song on something somewhere. I would not be surprised. Um, but yeah, no, there's been a couple of storage crashes. So there's definitely some gaps in my music, sadly. Um, but yeah, I still have the CDs. I could just re-digitize most of it. And I was like, yay, I didn't lose too much stuff. It was fun. No. But yeah, no, I like music. Music is great. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, as I said, I have sunk all my money into uh, round pieces of plastic um, in various forms for a long, long time. So um uh, music has also been especially it's been more that lately i, I like mm. i've kind of stopped buying movies for the most part um i because i kind of have everything on streaming um on occasion i'll buy a blu-ray still but not that often but i do buy a lot of records i bought one a couple days ago actually oh what did you buy i bought um an album by a band called colexico okay um they're like an indie band from around this time. Actually, it was the 20th anniversary edition of this record. So yeah, oh. it, it came out around this the the 2000, which is the same year as this movie. Um, and it's they sort of do kind of um, uh, like uh, spaghetti western themes, kind of. So there's a lot of like mariachi horns and like um, dusty that kind of like dusty music kind of stuff. Um, but there's also like some like indie rock dude lyrics and stuff. So mm-hmm. pretty, it's neat. I haven't listened to it in a while. Uh, I just kind of saw it and it was on sale. 
I picked it up and was like, sweet. Well, I mean, going in the theme of the movie, um, what what do you what are some of your favorite albums that you own? Oh, that's difficult. (laughs) Top five, (laughs) top five albums I own. Okay, Um, I think my favorite one that I like to show off with. by the way, we're going to really get into how I'm how close I am to these despicable people that we're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie's actually really I love this movie, but it's really hard for me to watch because it cuts real close to the bone in some places. Oh no. Um, and like emotionally speaking, it's it's uh, the reason I like it is cuz it's very emotionally true to like some feelings that I have felt. Mm-hmm. Um I don't necessarily agree with his actions, but I th- see like emotionally where he's coming from and where the people are coming from. Yeah. Um, anyway, so top five records I own. Uh, let's see. I think the one I kind of go with most is uh, it's a Neil Young live at Massey Hall 1971, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, just around the time he was putting out Harvest. He did like a solo show at Massey Hall um, and it's recorded gorgeously. It sounds like you're in the room with it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you can hear his hands moving from fret to fret. Like, Mm -hmm. how how close it is. Um, uh, I think maybe um, Silver Jews uh, American Water, I think it's called, um, which is actually in the the record store um, in this movie a couple times. Okay. Background. Um, Let's see. What else do I have? Um, I'll give you a non-pretentious answer. Um, I have a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have a copy of uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness. Okay. Uh, which I'm really happy to have because that's a, that's a one from when I was a kid that I really like. Um, let's see. Maybe. Oh, I've got a couple. Um, I've got a couple like Japanese um, Beatles imports that I brought back from Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, those are pretty cool. They're like original mono mixes on this like red vinyl which is supposed to keep away um dust i think oh okay that's it that is cool yeah um mm. so that was that and it's also like a fun memory from that trip because that's that was something that I, an activity that i did while i was there um let's see what else i have maybe um my i have a a three disc version of okay computer uh, by radiohead <gasps> i love that oh, love that yeah. one yeah so I, I think i'd probably round that at one out with mm-hmm. it So my question is, so based on your description of each album that you've mentioned, there are very different criterias to why they're on your list. Like one is like memories and they're just it's just cool to look at. And one is just like it sounds really cool. You know, Um, one is it's just interesting. And one is like, I just like that album. Right. So so is, is that how you you like go through your music or like what makes you pick something to listen to more often than something else? Like, is it like the actual songs? Is it the quality? Is it the lyrics? Is it just the artist? Like, Oh, that's a very difficult question. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm not really much of a lyrics person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll enjoy a clever Bon Mo. Uh, oh God, I hate myself right now. Um, I'll enjoy <laughs> that every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Like um, you ever listen to the hold steady? I don't. As so I was mentioning, saying words to me sometimes. But if I if I heard it, I'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, it, there's a very good chance that would actually be my response." 
Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're sort of like a um like a kind of a southerny rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with like kind of that kind of aesthetic, but like the lyrics are very kind of like story based. Okay. So like it'll be like a story song or the and the whole album will be kind of like one kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Um so I enjoy stuff like that. Um I'll also enjoy a very obtuse uh lyric set mm-hmm. where I have no idea what any of them means. Um because I mean it, it, for the most part I kind of enjoy lyrics as a musical instrument. Oh okay, so yeah, yeah. Just no. kind of like the way that the voice sounds in relation to everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I, but if I go back and listen to stuff that I listened to when I was a teenager, I go, Oh God, this, these lyrics are terrible. Oh yeah. Like they're so, but like at the time I didn't really pay that much attention to them because, um, I just liked the, the way that the, the groove went, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I realize I'm very much like that where my, the first thing that gets me hooked on certain songs and stuff is usually like the actual sound of it. Um, but there always comes a point, like if I don't like how it sounds or it sounds okay, I fo- end up focusing on the lyrics. And if the lyrics are bad, I'm I'm out. Like I'm just that's fucking stupid. I'll see you later. Um, so like one has to distract from the other in some way. But if like the actual sound is bad, but the lyrics are really good, I'll get into it. And when those two things come together, right. French Kiss, like it's just it's art. It's it's a meal of music. Like it's good. Yeah. And yeah, I move around with things. I mean, because that's that's the only reason why I'd be really into like um, like LMFAO for some reason. Fucking Mm -hmm. love them. But it's not just that the music is awesome. But if you actually listen to the lyrics or saying some stupid things in some surprisingly clever ways and you're just like, I can't not like this, you know, um, whereas you listen to like some Adele or something where it's deep and meaningful and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's melodic and everything, but it's the lyrics that pull you in, you know, like it's the fall on the ground, clutching the sky and pulling it down kind of music. And you're just like, I'm into this now. Yeah. yeah. I'll enjoy like a wry lyric. I think that's the kind of the thing, the, the, the thing that I point out in lyrics that I like I mm-hmm. think. when it's kind of like dryly funny. I enjoy those. <laughs> Yeah. Like I listen like last summer I listened to a lot of uh, John Prine. Mm-hmm. You ever listen to John Prine? I um, heard the name. I yeah. Can't say he, I do, he's though. sort of like a, a folk country kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um he died um early in the pandemic um oh, no. from COVID. Okay. Um so it, it sort of was just like a lot of people were talking about him like, oh I've I've sort of been on the periphery of this, but haven't really gotten too deep. But yeah, he has songs that are just like really funny. Um so- <laughs> but in like a way that like you kind of have to like really listen to. Mm-hmm. um like he has a song about um like what he wants to happen when he dies mm-hmm. um and it's all about like what body parts to give to various people um, is he a and ferengi I think, like what is happening yeah well it, it's sort of just like <laughs> um um it, 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 I, the one that i like the one that yeah. makes me laugh every time is give my knees to the needy <laughs> just just like a really silly <laughs> really silly <laughs> But it it harmonizes in a really fun way with it. Yeah. Um, and it makes me laugh. OK, um, see, now this sounds like something I would actually really enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he has another song that's just um, it's called Dear Abby. And it's all about he's, he, he prefaces it with him reading a newspaper in an Italian airport or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his old friend, Dear Abby. So he the song is just written as a dear abby column 
Oh, and then okay. her response is the chorus, and then it does another one. Mm-hmm. So it just like goes like, um, or it's like it's just someone complaining, and then Dear Abby responds, and that's the call and response kind of thing. It's it's a really neat song. So, oh. um, but uh, it also I've, one that's like funny. Yeah, I do like a high concept song that just works. Yeah, that is. That is awesome. I think that's also one of the reasons why I like Radiohead so much because the, all of their music is very high concept and it's very mm-hmm. like lyrically and like it's got um, really complex sounds to it and stuff. And like my like I had I had heard uh, some of their music before OK Computer, but OK Computer was the first album of theirs actually like bought and listened to from beginning to end and just lost my mind about it um which made me look more into their stuff but the problem like for me their stuff before that too much of it is too hard or metal or Mm. it's just it's just very heavy in a certain way that it's like even though the lyrics are there and stuff like that like i find it hard to physically listen to Mm -hmm. um but but a lot of the songs that are in there just awesome at the same time so i just pick and choose from their stuff before ok computer and then after ok computer i'm just like i can listen to all of this but i think that's when they did like they saw like the guitars and all that kind of stuff in there but it went slightly more um digital sounding um which kind of like calmed the ear piercingness of some of their stuff from before that um so like i'm really I like I like complex high concept art. Yeah, it, in some I, I think Radiohead is a really is a neat example because they they follow a certain a similar trajectory to the way the Beatles did, mm. where they kind of start they start as a good band for sure, um, but it's not they're not really breaking that many molds yet, right? They're and they're sort of like they're doing kind of pop music, very high quality pop music that's really good, um, but then they kind of do a turn and i think with the beatles it's revolver and with radiohead it's okay computer where it's sort of that's like their transition album and everything after that is completely different from the stuff they did at the beginning um and then they'll do and then the beatles did uh sergeant pepper and radiohead did kid a which is just like completely different out there like stylistic changes and Mm -hmm. completely crazy production um and then they sort of kind of evolve from that point but yeah Yeah. now a lot of bands kind of follow as a that kind of trajectory as well but radiohead's probably the best one as an example that i can yeah um well i mean like i think i think beck kind of fits in there as well um well i mean i think actually i think beck from the start was extremely experimental um but his early experimental stuff is just um it's like I don't know. It's kind of like Alexander McQueen. Oh, I'm going to talk design now. Um, it's kind of like Alexander McQueen, where his his early stuff was like it was different, but it was ugly, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas like when they finally refined that difference and they they refined it to such a beautiful aesthetic, you couldn't not find it wonderful. And I think that's where Beck went because he had so many influences and so many ideas and so many things. Where his early stuff, like. I mean, it was before um, like loser and everything like Mm -hmm. his his I'm an indie guy and I'm going to writhe around on stage and have my guitar on fire shit like it was just it was a lot of noise and he just kind of didn't know how to like perfect all of the influences he was getting. 
And then when Loser came out and he had like, um, I, I listened to a story about like how he did it and uh, and like the producer that came in and helped him sort of like, no, no, move this around, do some lyrics, all this kind of stuff. Because Loser was done in like some guy's house um, and it was like a lot of freestyling and, and stuff. And like most of the lyrics make no sense, but the sound is there, the voice is there and he evolved from that point on right mm-hmm. um you know like with like odile and and yeah. all that kind of stuff you and then he just sort to, of uh, to rock the plastic like the man from the casket <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> i mean like if you listen to too many beck lyrics like <laughs> like i mean what does a, there's a devil's haircut in my mind what does that mean it, but you accept it because it sounds so good mm-hmm. like it's just and especially if you watch that music video as well, and he's just walking around the city and like mm-hmm. pop out things and he starts screaming at the end, which I always find a little difficult. But up until that point, it's a perfect song for me. I love it. I love or, it. Or um, one song of his that I absolutely love, which is not a popular song. It was never released, but it was on his album. Um, shit. Sex Laws. Um, it's on uh, uh, Midnight Vultures. That's Midnight Vultures. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, it's uh, Deborah, which is like yeah. this crooning song <laughs> at the end. And I fucking like to me to this day, it is like my favorite Beck song. And I will stop everything I am doing to listen to that song when it comes on. I'm like, That's- no, shut shit off. No, we're bringing it with shh. Deborah, like it just it's so good <laughs> that song is really but that's another one that's really funny it's to me. very funny i said lady <laughs> step inside my hyundai like yes <laughs> well I'll, like the like deborah is 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 the i want to get with you and yeah. your sister i think her name's I mean, deborah yeah <laughs> that's an incredibly stupid thing to say <laughs> like <laughs> That's the main <laughs> lyric of the song. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, but what I love about this song too is that it's it's storytelling. Like he tells yeah. a story. He's like, I I walked into the store, the girl at the counter is hot. I walked up to her with a fresh pack of gum <laughs> looking for someone to love. And you're just like, no. <laughs> and you know, I think her name is Deborah. You know, I'm I'm gonna pick you up. We're gonna get in my Hyundai. We're gonna go to the place with that the really good chicken. Wait, wh- where's Deborah? What up? What about Deborah? <laughs> you know, like it just keeps going like that. And but it is there's so much passion in that song, like the way it's sung, the way the music is behind it. You're just like, yes, this is this is what I am looking for in every way, shape, or form. You know, so yeah, yeah. Beck is is up there That's, for me. As you that can is tell. a very difficult record to get a hand a hold of too. Oh, um, I, I it well, is it has been out of print for years and years, and I think you could would if you want to get it on vinyl, it's like two hundred bucks. I that's actually one of the few things I would probably pay that kind of money for for sure. Yep. Like I like I have the CD. It came with a little booklet. It's got all the lyrics in it and stuff. It's great. Um, but yeah, if I could get something of like that, that'd be very cool. It's yeah. on my list of things to look for. Boom. I've been eagerly awaiting a reissue. I don't know if I don't know if he's the kind of person who would do that, but I don't think it wouldn't be up to him. It'd be the record company, really. Right? Yeah, I I mean I have 
I have his other ones that I care about, mm-hmm. um, which they did reissue. They were hard to get a hold of for a little while, um, mm-hmm. but they they did a reissue campaign, but they didn't do Midnight Vultures for some reason. Oh, yep. still hard to get. But that's a great album. People, a, a lot of people were upset because it was a little too um, disco-y mm-hmm. or a little too like, you know, kippy 70s kind of sounding for them. Um, and because that was right after um, like he just did a full departure from his previous album, which was kind of hip hoppy ish, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I find with Beck, every single album has its own vibe. Like he's got this like... Um, like even like morning phase which is like purely atmospheric and then he did colors which was like a dance album and then but like every single song is clearly back like you're just like oh this sounds like back this sounds like something he would do but i think he just gets like a full idea and a full concept in his head and he's like this is what i'm working with now this is what i am making and he doesn't stick with like no i'm a i'm a rapper or i i croon or you know i'm a rocker like he he doesn't bother with that kind of stuff he's like no this is what i'm feeling this is what you're getting did it go odalay mutations midnight vultures or midnight vultures then mutations i think it's midnight vultures and mutations okay because like i guess mutations sort of goes along with sea change a little bit like it has a similar kind of vibe but i do and so does morning phase so it goes he goes a like he sort of has that mode a little bit like the kind of the downbeat mode well, he did Hyperspace, which I haven't listened to as yet, which upsets me. Um, so Odile was 1996. Midnight Vultures was 1999. Oh, no. Mutations was first. It was 1998. In between? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I really like Modern Guild and The Information as well. Okay. I Those think two I... albums are okay. really awesome. I remember liking Guero a lot for mm-hmm. a period. I haven't really done much after that one. Yeah. Guero is is uh i don't like i don't know Dust brothers one yeah but i don't know how to describe how i feel about it without sounding a little saying a bunch of stereotypes about people who are latin american oh i see that way (laughs) uh but um, we're gonna go pretentious and i'm like we're gonna talk about high fidelity for (laughs) like (laughs) Like, we're just doing the movie now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, which albums are going to take to a desert island with yourself? It's, yeah. Uh, one thing I did remember while watching this movie is, like, you know the part where he's, like, reorganizing his album collection at home um, for, like, uh, significance or whatever? Mm-hmm. I, as a foolish person, did this several times. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I settled on alphabetical because that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but originally, I had switched it around so it's everything was in chronological order of release. Oh, okay. Um, and then I decided to switch it around to like how I feel about it. So like the first ones are the ones like I feel really good about, and like at the end would be like, "Ugh, these movies suck." I got about halfway and gave up because I'm like, I can't do this. All these, especially the movies in between, like the top was easy, the bottom was easy. But everything mm. in the middle, which was like 300 DVDs, yeah. <laughs> oh. I was just like, I don't know what I what. No, I just couldn't do it. So then I just went back to alphabetical like a smart person and, oh. and left it at that. Yes, I, I have done autobiographical order, mm-hmm. um, but not because of this movie. Um, the actual reason I did it is laziness. Oh. <laughs> um, and it's that I just bought a new thing and then I just put it on the shelf. Oh. 
<laughs> Wait, that's not autobiographical. That's more yeah. along the line of of it's chronological, but not of release, just of yeah, a purchase. Of when you bought it. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's what he's doing in the movie. He goes auto it's auto I have to if I want to find Joni Mitchell's blue, I have to remember that a girl in college bought it for me in the spring of 1992 or whatever it was. <laughs> Like it's like that's how it works. Um, his collection is gigantic in this movie. Yes. Um, it yeah. has to be well over a thousand. Um, because I've got about four hundred records. Um, and it fits in like one of the it mostly fits in a um IKEA like four by two. Uh and he's got like five of those. Yeah, so. um, I actually had a friend who's who's He's a DJ is, is what it is. And his basement, his whole basement wall was lined mm-hmm. uh, with those like the, the, the IKEA four by twos. And they were it was all full. Yep. And I was like, A, this is music heaven. Um, and B, how do you find anything in here? That's fucking crazy. And he's the kind of person who'd be like, yeah, I'm looking for like a, a kind of downbeat, kind of funky. And he just walked to a square, stick his arm in, pull something out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how the, f- how do you even know that is there? Like, how is this even possible? And he'd always find everything he was looking for. It was very rare that he had to be like, mm, this one. It was just like, no, just in and out, in and yeah. out. Like, what? Well, I, I've been re- buying records for like 10 years, and I, I do not consider myself to be a true crate digger. Because those guys, like people that are DJs, that's, I mean, that's who should be buying these things. Yeah. Um, they buy it for one sound on it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's awesome is like when there's like I just like the bell, and I'm just gonna buy it. <laughs> there's like, just one I like song. the bell on track three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the background, that. there's like that ding. Yeah, ding. That's fucking dope, man. Yeah. Pull that one out. Like yeah. that stuff's awesome. Like yeah. and then and, and like I would assume that they was like and then I toss it out. Like I just like digitize that one thing and then those they'll, they'll those are the guys that use the dollar bins. Yeah, because um, they're they're like, not looking to, to spend money and keep these records for extended yeah. periods of time or anything. They're just like, no. pick a song out of it. We're done. Let's go. But I love like the mind of like a DJ or like a guy who does a lot of sampling and like music and stuff, how they just like hear two completely different things, completely separate from each other and can just paste it together in their head. And they're just like, this will be amazing. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And like me, half the time when they explain it to me, I'm like, I don't, how, what, why would you think these two things would go together? That doesn't make any sense. Then they do. And you're just like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned Gnarls Barkley. I mean, that's Danger Mouse, right? Like that's his whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Gnarls Barkley is just, they really should have put out more albums as Gnarls Barkley, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, was, did but, they just do two or do they only have one? It's two. They did two. two. Um, it, it was, it was uh, Elsewhere. And um, The Odd Couple. Mm, I don't remember that one. Odd Couple was the second one, and I actually do like it more than mm. uh, the first, but both albums are fantastic. Like, they're just amazing. But, like, I think half of it has to do with just, like, CeeLo Green's, like, voice. Mm. You know, like, even him from, like, um, what is it, Mob Deep he was part of before. Then he was he in did... Mob Deep? I didn't know that. Yeah, is, is it Mob Deep that he was in? I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Oh, Okay. Um, that's news to me i, I like them CeeLo green I, I i may totally be saying the wrong oh goody mob sorry oh, goody okay. mob, not mob deep oh god i was so bad with that oh uh, yeah goody mob 
And oh yeah, came... no, that's an unforgivable mistake. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> get out. <laughs> they're so far away <laughs> from each other. They really are. Oh <laughs> shit! I knew Mob was part of it, and Mob Deep came into my head first. Okay. Oh, it, like the, the wires that are crossed in my head for that kind of stuff is insane. <laughs> so yeah. like. I, I was teasing it is not that is completely reasonable um yeah but he came from there uh then he did a lot of like producing of stuff then he did gnarls barkley and then of course he did his own album now he's on tv doing strange things yeah. um but to be honest like lady killers the one that fuck you is on that yeah. that's the only song that really stuck besides um bright lights big city got a lot of it ended up on quite a few soundtracks for like films and things. Um, that album is fantastic. And I don't understand why like it didn't that. do more than it did. No. But I think people listening to the songs that released on it had a very specific impression of what it was supposed to be. Right. And each song on that is they go together, but each song is very different. And yeah, it's sort of like a hip hop neo soul, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's neat there i think like that kind of like that has a bit of a, a niche now uh like the neo soul stuff like charles bradley he, who died i think a couple of years ago um but yeah there was like a, there's like an indie resurgence in like that kind of stuff well i think uh like well for me um my big problem with a lot of music right now as i make myself sound very old um is like lyrically they're shitty there's too much auto-tune, so it sounds shitty. And then the music, it all sounds the same. Like, it's mm -hmm. all the same beat. And I'm totally down with new music. Every once in a while, I pick out a new... Like, I'm surprised. I like a couple of Doja Cat songs. It blows my mind, but I do like them. Like, they're good songs, you know? Um, they're just, like, they got funky beats and all that kind of stuff. And then there's, like, um, what's her face with the green hair and the bad guy song and stuff oh, Eilish. Eilish. um i do like a couple of her songs but a couple of her songs are just a little overly depressive and woe is me and i'm like eh, get over it um you know everybody's yeah. pain is it in this movie where it's like everybody's pain is their worst pain or something i heard this recently i don't know but that's like a pretty solid sum up of the movie um and actually yeah. kind of my my defense of it in a way Mm -hmm. um, as I said, like I, I think that he's having a rough time. But what like, do you think? Of, what do you think about his character, though? Like, what do you think about Rob? Okay, so um, I think he's a narcissist for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't really know if I have a defense of him as a person. Okay. Um, my defense is that I think I don't know if the movie takes his side, and that's my question. I don't think like, the movie takes his side either. Um, I think it tries to quote unquote present him as he is. Mm -hmm. um, but who he is, is an asshole. So they, they didn't think try that, to glamorize it, I think. Yeah. But also like it, the movie is so from his point of view as well. So it's mm -hmm. kind of, but it has moments where you're outside of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are those moments that you're outside of him are really damning to him as a character, which I find a really interesting thing that I've only noticed as an adult. But do you think that is because they wanted to give a perspective of what other people are seeing of him? Because, I mean, 
no matter who we are, we believe we are doing mm-hmm. the best we can. Yeah. And other people outside of that are trying to do the best they can. And sometimes those things clash heads. Right. Mm-hmm. And he does cut like, he does have a couple of epiphanies, like like his first girlfriend. He's like, I was an asshole for be like dumping her because she won't have sex with me because she wasn't ready. Like he gets to that point, but he still goes and asks her later. And she was just like, because he's feeling bad yeah. about himself. And he's like, she's like, no, no, no. You were a dick. You were mean mm-hmm. to me. I didn't reject you. I didn't do anything to you. I was honest and you walked away. Mm-hmm. And how the fuck can you just come up to me and tell mm-hmm. me this? And you don't you didn't even care the shit that happened to me afterwards, you know, and it's true. And then he was like, oh, shit, I was the one rejecting. I wasn't rejected. Great. But then he still goes back to the other girlfriends being like, well, it's me. Why did you leave? I was rejected. So I I think that that whole thing that you described is probably the most sticky point of the movie for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. It is a very rough story. Oh, it is. Um, that does not make him. That is probably makes him look the worst of anything uh, in else in it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, so that it it ends with a very damning her her confronting him, right? Yes. Um, it's sort of then a joke in a weird way, right? Because it's sort of like you're supposed to think that he's devastated by what she said and we i think as an audience are meant to be devastated as well mm-hmm. by by the what she said because it was really sad yeah um but then he only thinks about himself afterwards yeah um and i think that that is presented as a joke in the movie but like as a seinfeld joke where the joke is that he's callous yeah, and that they're gonna have the little burr, 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 like after yeah. he says whatever, and where he's like, "Oh, that's a shame." Yeah, like it's that's the which is mean and callous, and he is probably not very redeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that the movie is taking his side in much of this, and I think that that's important. Yeah, no, and I I agree with it because, and I think that's why he is such an asshole is because. The movie, a lot of the movie is technically from his perspective, but at the same time, the movie is not softening who he is in any way, shape or form. And so it does show that he's self-censored and he's an asshole. But even by the time he gets to the end of the movie where he's got Laura back, he's quote unquote happy. But all his pontificating to the audience is, well, you know, I think it was time I should just stop and take what I have and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm just going to settle because... I'm tired, essentially, is what he said. He's he's not really happy. He's not thinking of Laura. He's not thinking of the situation. He's just like, I went through this thing and um, either I'm going to die alone or I can put up with Laura is essentially what he says. And to me, that makes him more of a dick because it means he just he didn't learn anything from the experience no. in the film. He, he didn't change in any way. He's not considering Laura, this girlfriend who's just like, I just want you to care about something. I just want you to be a better person. And I have changed because my life is moving somewhere. I am doing something. And if you want to come, come with me. If you don't want to come, you can go fuck yourself because I'm not going to let you hold me back. Mm -hmm. And to him, he's like, she's rejecting me. No, she's not rejecting you. She's giving you options. She wants you to reflect on yourself, which he quote unquote does. But he learns nothing from it because they'll get back together 
And in two years, he's going to resent her um, because she's still going to be moving up in her career as a lawyer. He's still going to be at the record store, um, getting kids off the street and releasing albums, quote unquote. Um, that and makes then, it sound so much more nefarious than what actually happens in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, getting kids off the street. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> and quote unquote, putting out their records. <laughs> Like, but what, that's what he actually does do in the movie. He that's what happens. <laughs> so wait, did I do quote unquote wrong? What did I do? <laughs> I'm um, quote unquote sitting here and <laughs> really I'm skydiving. Like, wait, just, what just are you like doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think if, if we followed the story more in two years, they're broken up again because he's still being a dick and mm-hmm. is mad at her for like, Quote, like ruining his life yeah. and she's still advancing in her career and doing what she needs to do well i mean that's i mean uh, nick hornby the writer of the the novel that this movie is based on was asked did did rob and laura stay together after the after the story ended and he goes mm-hmm. oh god no <laughs> like watching this movie it's just so obvious to me i'm just like yeah. you're wasting people's time just go away <laughs> yeah i mean I- I mean, I'll I'll be I'll I'll give him a little I'll I'll be a, a devil's advocate a little mm. bit here for him. Um, I I mean I I kind of watched it last night and I kind of I put it through the lens of this is somebody that truly hates himself, mm-hmm. and he is ruled by his own feelings of sexual inadequacy, um, and that is just drive like I can I'm watching his brain go off the rails in various points of the movie like there's multiple scenes where he's just walking through the rain screaming right like yeah. he is having a, a nervous breakdown at various points um, and so like I kind of questioned his reliability um, and that like usually a movie the the if you have an unreliable narrator usually they're making themselves look better or telling the story in a way where they're the hero mm-hmm. But what if it's someone that truly despises themselves and just hate where they are in their life and knows that they're ruled by these things that they can't control within themselves? Um, would that make them look worse? Uh, well, in this case, it did. Yeah. Um, because like he, he is definitely trying to show how much pain he is in and like all of the things that he's gone through and this is why he's in so much pain and he's so cynical and all this kind of stuff but at the same time all of the actions he takes that he believes he has done that he is showing us to be true this is what i did are also asshole things to do so as a person who truly hates themselves, they're not sugarcoating any of the things that they've done. They're not putting it out there that, oh no, like, you know, I went by her and she told me her sad story and I felt bad about it. No, he's just like, no, it's like, she said, and I was like, huh, I'm going to think about myself for 10 minutes now, even though she just told me she was date raped and it was not a good experience. And she didn't give it up to some random dude. It was nothing like that. He never checked in on her. Um, he's going to think about himself instead of going like reflect Mm -hmm. like what i actually did was reflect and i took her home and made sure everything was okay and i apologized and blah 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 as a person who hates himself they're just like they're gonna say what they actually did Mm -hmm. and he knows what he actually did was wrong and he just still put it out there because Mm -hmm. he hates himself Mm -hmm. so like your are i see your argument but at the same time it kind of goes to my perspective Mm -hmm. whereas if you're a narcissist like you hate yourself you're gonna put that out there no yeah, it's it's 
this movie does fit into sort of my own psychology in that um, I hate myself, but I still think I'm better than everybody else. <laughs> yes. Um, which is a really <laughs> weird, unique situation. It's a um, very interesting thing to admit yeah. on a podcast as well. <laughs> it's a quote that I do. It's, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be in my gravestone, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I mean, like, I, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I know I'm pretentious. I try not to act it out. Um, mm-hmm. But what I, uh, but also like the way I, the reason I say I identify with this movie so much is because I feel, I feel those things. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily act on them or act the same way as the character does, um, but it does make me cringe watching it. Yeah. Um, because it it's like, oh, I know what he's doing. Ugh. Like, it's sort yeah. of like, it's just like a knowing, like, like a lot of people in this movie make decisions based on sadness, mm-hmm. um, which is usually self-destructive in my in my point of view so like there's a lot of people in this movie making bad decisions like laura makes bad decisions too um like she she goes to stay with raymond um who is awful as well yes um by the way every time he is on screen i cackle with laughter um (laughs) So I forgot funny. it was Tim Robbins, and yeah. then the you first time you see me walks in with this little ponytail, and so I was like, "Oh, oh my God, what is that?" And then I and just the start rings, laughing at it. The and rings. the rings, <laughs> and he has a picture of himself in like a karate gi. Yeah, like it's and he is just it is just the weirdest, biggest character for this movie. It is, um, and it's one hundred percent like it. He's in his own world, and it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um. I forget what point I was trying to make with that. Uh, oh yeah, so oh, Laura's so, bad decisions. Yeah. yeah. So like, and she she kind of bails pretty quickly, and then doesn't really do much with it, and then immediately shacks up with somebody else and lies about it. And it's not she's not great either. And then she gets back together with him because she's grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot of people making bad decisions out of their own misery. Yeah, and I think like even with the Jack Black character as well, like he is clearly a person who is alone and angry and also thinks he's better than everyone else. And he takes that out on, uh, Oh, I forget the other coworkers name, the the skinny bald guy who is literally just like, I like music and I like talking to people and I'm here. Um, And he, at the end, he's the one who seems the happiest in the, the whole, whole thing. Right. Um, Cause he's just like, yeah, I met somebody who's really nice and I'm going to go on a date. Yeah, you're going to make fun of me. I don't care. I'm still going to go and I'm going to hang out with her and she's great. I can talk about music and she's make fun of me and we get each other. We can talk about Roseanne together. We can talk about Roseanne. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, and, and that's the thing. Like All the main characters in the movie are so broken and so lost, whereas like all of the background characters, they end up being background characters because they're like, I'm not participating in your destructiveness, right. essentially. Yeah. No, there's multiple people that come in and are just like, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. And then, and then they'll leave. Or like the guy, the guy that they sell the, I forget his name, uh, the guy that they sell the, um, uh, uh, the Captain Beefheart save his milk album too that they didn't sell to the dork oh yes yeah 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 and he's just like you guys are just snobs like you just think you're unappreciated and nobody knows as much as you do guys and you're Mm -hmm. better than everybody else and they're like yeah and he's like 
And then that's the end of him. And he leaves. And, and like, I, I do find it interesting that like, remember I talked about Paul Blart as um, I've never seen a movie so mean to its own protagonist. Mm-hmm. This movie isn't quite as mean. It's not as obvious about it. It's not like making him fall down all the time. Uh, but it is, it is like critically critical of this person. That is our first person narrator. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting to me. I, I, I find it, it, it it's changed modes as I've watched it um, in the last 20 years. So I have a question. Uh, like, no. I have not watched, read, the, sorry, read the book that this is based on. Have you? Like, because I, I, I oh, okay. Yeah, because I want to figure out if it has that same kind of voice. But also because I've watched this movie many times, I kind of refuse to read the book because I'm like, I don't need this. I don't I, need more of this. <laughs> I would venture just based on books. I mean, this is completely talking out of my ass. Uh, but I would be I would say it's probably worse. Um, and oh, you think probably, he's meaner? I think so. Um, okay. I think that the movie would have to be softer than you would have to be in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think books also have a more... Um, robust tradition of kind of unreliable narration and kind of despicable first person narration where like it's very much a person's id on a page um movies tend to be in my opinion tend to be received as more omniscient yeah um and more of a presentation of the world as it is well i think because in the book you don't have to uh what do you call it like like edit or filter through like i think that's why it's the id as you mentioned um because if you're inside someone's mind they don't edit it they don't edit what's in their mind they edit what comes out of their mouth Mm -hmm. and yeah that's that because i think you know in certain scenes where he's pontificating at the screen in the book it would be clear that they're just like we're in your brain right now we know what you're actually thinking and it's not whatever you're saying right now Mm-hmm. Or it's worse than what you're actually saying right yeah. now. You know, that kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what I think that this movie is in a lot of cases. I, I think that this movie does dip its toe in that where it's like he's saying some really horrible things that we may have thought but never said out loud. Or but I I mean that's the but my my question really it's like and all of my discussion around this movie last night when I was when I was with my girlfriend was was what does the movie want us to think? I think um personally because this is an american production of a british book um american films tend to want you to like the protagonists in any way shape or form and i think the way it's presented even though after watching this movie several times we both have come to the conclusion this guy's an asshole and we don't like him essentially um but they want to present him in a certain way that you're like, oh no, at first glance, he's likable and you feel his pain. Like that's just what they're going for. Um, Where in reality is if you do analyze it and you do look at it, you, you see that he's not a good person. And I think if uh, like the, like if we, we stuck with the book and more of like the dry British feel to it, I what think. Sex Pistols references, I'm sure. Probably. <laughs> um, like, I think it would have been they they wouldn't have a problem with you hating the protagonist off yeah. the bat. Like, I don't exactly. I don't think that would have been an issue. And like, I don't I don't really know what you're supposed to take from this movie, whether you like him or not, because by the end of the movie, nothing's really changed. Nothing's evolved. Mm-hmm. He's he's said a, a bunch of like 
platitudes, you know, just to get through things, but nothing's, it was nothing actually important. It was nothing worthwhile. Mm -hmm. It was nothing, you know. I actually think there is one turning point in it. And I think it it is a little bit different after that. I think mm-hmm. it's it's at Laura's father's funeral. He does a monologue to the camera about himself, mm-hmm. um, which is which you're just like Jesus, dude. You're at a, someone's funeral and you're talking about getting late or whatever it is. Um, but then there's this long, very slow zoom in on him, and the only audio is Laura crying. Oh yeah, and that's he waves and then off the he camera. Looks, and he looks over and he just kind of stares. And it's kind of the only time he shuts up in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of the it's an interesting moment, and I feel like that's his moment where he realizes he has to think about somebody else. That's the moment he shows he has some empathy, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. think um, but like um, it depends. Like I think the movie is pointing at that being a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that is the the we're going back up and where he's going to be a better person like that that was his turning point um now he is a person that obviously is in some sort of stunted growth cycle like yeah. he's a he's he admits at the beginning of the movie that he is 14 he hasn't his relationships hasn't changed since he was 14 um which to me is an admission of i'm broken inside uh this mm-hmm. is not that's not something a person says as being like a this is right um and and you could debate whether or not that he's going to change i mean he sort of does go back a little bit he slides back a little bit but i think that that's a emotionally truthful thing right where you can do one thing and then you'll kind of what am i doing and then go back and then it's it's a slow burn um but yeah i mean he's producing at the end too and i mean that in a literal way in that he's actually contributing something to the thing he loves which is a big step um and speaks to me as a person who has been obsessive about pop culture for 20 years yeah um, like to me that that would be a big thing right like rather the, the professional appreciator actually putting something into the world yeah, I mean, I do agree with that where, um, well, because even the whole like the Jack Black character thing where he actually gets like a stage performance and people are just like, oh, my God, you can sing like that. That whole thing, like each one of them gets something out of it by opening themselves up for a minute to accept that change. But then at the same time, five minutes after that. Yep. At the end, you're just like, oh, you're still thinking about yourself and you're full of shit. And you just you're just like, I'm settling right now. It mm-hmm. it sort of shows that he backslides very quickly. Yeah. Um, because like even in that scene, he's just like, he's look, he's Laura's in his arms, they're smiling, they're like, it's a good time. Like, you know, I love this, I want this. And then two seconds later, he's just like, I mean, well, I guess I should stop. I'm old enough and she's here and she's smiling at me now so i guess she's happy so maybe i can do something possibly Mm -hmm. i don't know but for today she's here and i'm here okay bye Mm -hmm. like that's no that's not that's not accepting a position that's not accepting responsibility that's not accepting a future that's giving up and holding it someone else responsible for it 
Oh, you think he's going to resent her for it? Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent. He's going to be like, well, you left and then you decided to come back. And then now I'm stuck here is exactly the argument they had two years later when they broke up. And it's, See, it's okay. I, I agree with you on one level mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll say what I mean by that. I think he will. He, that would be his monologue to the camera. Yes. That he would okay. blame her. But I mm-hmm. don't think he would mean it. Really? I think he I think that his so like each one of these breakups that he's obsessed with he it does seem like he blames them, right? Mhm. At, at every single one. He's always like you left me because you wanted this person. You left me because you wanted this person. I think what that's actually rooted in is he thinks he doesn't deserve them to start. I think that he thinks that he's not good enough for anybody. And that's why he does it so like i think that he'll say that he blames them as sort of a cover for his own feelings of inadequacy but deep down he thinks that he's just not good enough well the whole movie is him saying like even with the first girlfriend he's like no you rejected me you rejected me like from the start right Mm -hmm. um even with the catherine Zeta jones character yeah i mean the i think the thing with that character is is that he wasn't exciting. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't changing, which is the same problem Laura has. Mm-hmm. But also that character was too much like him and full of herself. That was the other thing. I think that I think that the those two, so the so Charlie, the Catherine Zeta Jones character, and I forget what's the name of the sad sack one? The one that oh. they were it was the the they were just commiserating with each other. Yeah, like with her that was a whole other thing. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that those are both that was him. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. by Lily Taylor. I think yeah. that those are both him. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a way for him to kind of confront his own thing. Like, because he talks shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a pretentious asshole. Like, he'll he'll go on and on about these same things. But he's also that sad sack person. It's These are just, like, different aspects of his personality brought out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlie leaving him is, is for, the, for Marco is similar to him kind of looking at the girl from the newspaper at the end right like this is a new glamorous person this is an exciting person that i'm doing and he realizes like i can't that's not this isn't the right thing to do Mm -hmm. yeah but one thing that they have realized as well is that they've all evolved like they've all changed they've they have careers they've built personalities like they have come into their own whereas he is clearly the same dude he was when they originally met him and i also think that's one of the things that hurts him so much you know is that like he's he's mad like he he doesn't want to be with laura right at the beginning because like you've changed and she's like of course i have i have done things i don't have pink in my hair because i i work as a lawyer like Sometimes you got to give up small bits to yourself, but she's still, quote unquote, the same person just evolved. Right. Mm -hmm. And he is mad that people are moving on without him or people are changing without him. Mm -hmm. But Laura is like, no, just keep walking with me and we will get there. Like, it's fine. But he's standing still, you know, throwing a tantrum in the street like. This and this is the problem with the, his character is that, yeah, like he may believe he doesn't deserve it, but then when people tell him what he needs to do so that he doesn't feel like it, he does everything possible to reject mm-hmm. what they're saying or refuses to hear what they're saying in general. Yeah. That's 
completely right. <laughs> and like, but it's also like, I also get those feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I may not yell and scream about there being a flyer for my event um, yeah. that I'm going to have. But at the same time, like, you know, I, I get like, he's coming from a place of just pure anxiety all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, I get that feeling in my brain, like that itch I can't scratch um, or get rid of or whatever, or, or the, yeah, there's, there's all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of that kind of like, Oh yeah, I get that. I get that feeling. Like it's, it's, it, it is very much a, a movie. It, it's a very male movie um yes. about and about male psychology in a very specific way i think i mean i'm i'm not a psychologist but i i think that it's uh it, it brings pretty true for i mean in the negative aspects of <laughs> my own psychology and i think a lot of other people's well um, i think i think the the thing you have to realize about characters like this or any any person or any character is they are if you're being criticized, you are going to do things to defend yourself, right? Whether it is reflection and realizing, oh, maybe they were right and this is how I could change or, you know, fighting against it or whatever, because you don't ever want to believe that you are wrong, even if you are wrong. Like, that's just how people's brains work. Yeah. Um, So... I understand him fighting for himself when he is criticized, but also the way he responds to these things. Some of them just don't make sense to me. I'm like, how could you take offense to that? Change your shirt. That's it. Like it was a nice sweater. (laughs) That's what I like that sweater. (laughs) It was not a Cosby sweater. Um, (laughs) We're not allowed to talk about that. No. Um, but, but yeah, like, I mean, it was just like, but he fought at the same level, whether it was change a sweater or get your shit together. Like those are two, uh, two very different hills to die on. And he chose to die on every single one. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was also, it also takes place like days after she left. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is like, we're looking at him in a really low point of him as a being. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a really interesting movie because I think you could watch it without really considering any of these things and it would be enjoyable. You could watch it as pretty much a straight romantic comedy. Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after seven or eight watches or whatever, you can kind of go like, this guy's kind of cringy um, and <laughs> I don't think I really like him very much, but I don't think that the movie really lets him off the hook. No. Well, I, and I think also that happens with a lot of films where they're like it's this is it's a romantic comedy but it's essentially a character study mm. and like especially like john hughes films and stuff like that um you know you re the more you rewatch them the more you either understand the characters or the characters are lost on you because of how um i don't know how pained they are how their situation is or like even more of your own experience gets to be reflected on what they're going through. Like, you know, it's one of those like stages through life things and how characters react or like, I've been in this situation now, now I better understand why you did this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think this is the kind of movie for anybody who's been through a breakup that you want to reflect on things that happened before you do feel 
you know, what's wrong with me? You, you get that. But at the same time, some things he does, you're just like, well, I would never do that. That's fucking crazy. Other people are just like, you know what? Maybe I should call my old, my exes and be like, what's going on? Or maybe it's like Scott Pilgrim and like a whole bunch of people come and fight you. And it's like a video game. Yeah. I mean, I I actually was thinking as we were watching, as I was watching hot fuzz, like um, that Scott Pilgrim would be a really good twin movie for high fidelity. It covers a lot of the same feelings of of inadequacy and sort of relationships and like the idea of like um uh yeah i mean that kind of stuff uh, i was gonna say possessiveness and stuff like that but i don't know if that's i don't know if jealousy is as much of a of a subject in scott pilgrim i guess sort of since it's sort of like how do like stacking up to previous people and stuff like that yeah, but I think the jealousy comes from Gideon more than it comes from Scott Pilgrim. Right. That. So Gideon's mm-hmm. like the bad guy who puts together yeah. the League of Exes. Um, so I think on that side, like the the jealousy is definitely there because like you think about it, Gideon goes through all of this stuff to get all these exes to fight Scott because you know, she needs to realize that nobody's better than him and all this kind of stuff and how mm-hmm. we're we all end up stuck on certain people it happens and you know and scott feels inadequate but he has to go through all this stuff to be like no i'm deservant of love i am i put myself out there i should try and at least at the end of the movie it's not one of those like i guess i'll go back to her it's more of like no i fought for you i actually want to try and make this a thing Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna try to be a better person Mm -hmm. and i think if that is how high fidelity ended like him saying i'm going to try to be better mm-hmm. it would be much more poignant and much more you would like him a lot more than him saying i guess i'm going to do this i'm going to compromise sure 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 right. isn't isn't the end of scott pilgrim though that he gains the power of self respect yeah so like it is about him as mm-hmm. a so it's like i don't know if he wins her as much as he like wins himself i guess yeah no he doesn't win her that's not what i'm yeah. saying he does not win her at the end but what does happen is because he has the power of self-respect people she respects him more and right. is willing to give him another chance right right whereas with this he is like i'm just compromising she, right. i've i've I I'm currently doing the things she expects me to do. Yeah. Therefore, I'm assuming she's happy. So uh. I guess this is what I will do now. Right. Like, well, I mean, she shoots him down pretty quick with that kind of stuff. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. you're not a sure bet here, man. Yeah. Um, she is a pretty reliable character, as I think, for the most mm. part. Like, she seems to have some self-actualization. Um, that's not just that. I, I did have one question for you about okay. some some stuff that Rob does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the scene with Marie DeSalle. Okay. The 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 singer, the uh, singer. that he sleeps with. Yeah. Um, first of all, did you watch the High Fidelity TV show? I did not, but I okay. know it's her daughter who plays yes, that Rob. Is, that which is very when strange. I saw Lisa Bonet in it, I was like. Yeah, that makes me uncomfortable somehow right now. Why? Yeah. Why is this- yeah. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. like you could just be like, so it's their kid. Like, right? That it's was like my 20 first years thought. Later, yeah. <laughs> it would like kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, my, 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 so um, 
so he sleeps with her and then he, he tells the story of of how that works right and he goes on this story and we have like quick flashbacks and things like that and he makes a comment about how he puts on this guise of a person like a sensitive person um hinting it just below the surface of a sea of misery and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he kind of makes it seem like he was tricking her in some way but then when i'm watching what's happening and not listening to him it doesn't seem like this at all like it 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 seems like he's actually genuinely connected with this person or at least this person has the same understanding as he does like it doesn't feel like she's put on in any way like that or she's been tricked or duped or anything like that mm-hmm. it seems like they both had a pretty good idea of what this was going to be and then it went on but in his soliloquy to the camera he was very um he very much paints himself as the bad guy in, a, in an interesting way and that's what kind of made me wonder like is are these things he's saying about himself as being so horrible are they actually true? Is that, or is just that how he perceives himself to be? Um, I think that's how he perceives himself. To, I think. I think the thing is, is that most people, when they go on dates or they meet somebody new that they like, they put on a persona. Yeah. They do. They. They're yeah. just like I am trying to put on the best version of myself, which most of us would. I mean, in our minds, are thinking remember not to do this and remember not to do this. Oh, don't forget to do this. No, this is the sexy thing to do. Yeah. Like in your brain, you're thinking all these things. And I think at that point, that's what he's thinking. He's just like, put on this, this cool guy persona, just, just chill, you know, be, be a little mysterious, just, yeah. you know, just, just pull her in a little bit, you know, because these are the tricks I know work. Right. right. And I don't think he's being disingenuous in the, the flashbacks, but, in your mind, you are talking yourself through yeah. this situation to get from point A to point B. But I also and, don't think he's doing the cool guy thing. Like he's talking about his ex-girlfriend the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about her ex-boyfriend the whole time. So like, yeah. it's just like, they still both seem to be like, I'm fine with this. Yeah. Well, I think their relationship is the same thing that they had that he did with Sarah, except with Marie, it's one night. Whereas with Sarah, it was months, it seems. And, but I think Marie is more mentally stable and she knows what it is. She's like, we're going to get this out. We're just going to say these things. We're going to have a really hot night. And when she walks away, she knows she's never hearing from him again. She knows that's it. But also she's not going to call him either. Yeah, like she's it's, like it's she's like, OK, yeah, sure. You'll call me. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I really think in that scene, it's the same kind of stuff going through her head. Right. Yeah. Just like be cool, yeah. be chill, laugh at his jokes, you know, be laid back, flip hair for a second, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And they wanted the same thing. They had the same plan. The transaction is complete and yeah. they have gone on their own way, you know, and I think. And I think it is trying to show that people still have like a, a stigma against those kinds of interactions where what you're seeing on screen, you're like, no, that looks really normal. But in his brain, what he's saying, yeah. you're like, mm, that doesn't, that's not yeah. right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. To mm-hmm. me. Um, I, I, I have another question sort of related to that topic. Um, how 
is is John Cusack the actor? Is he cool at this point? Like I know in the eighties he was like he did like he was sort of a heartthrob in a way. Like he yeah. had an audience for he was a teenage like or, or young adult actor and and yeah. was handsome and did like was the romantic lead in a lot of like teenage movies and things like that. Is he beyond that at this point, or is he like still a cool dude? Nah, he's not cool. He's not. Cool. I don't think okay. he's cool anymore. No. So that was As- my criticism of the High Fidelity TV show. Is I was just like, how is Zoe Kravitz the sad sack? She's the coolest person ever. <laughs> well, I think at the time with this movie, he was still on okay. that cusp of being cool. You know, like this is around the same time he did like Girls Point Plank and, you know, like all that mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm an adult now, but I'm a cool adult. And, right. you know, I do things outside of the norm, blah, blah, blah. And I'm still fit. And I didn't do, you know, 2012 in like room 14, whatever, and all that kind of cheesiness as mm-hmm. yet. Um, and, but I think he has kind of just evolved into... I mean, he's not quite at the level of Nick Cage crazy, but like, you know, you, you, know, you know that area where you're like, yeah. they just do stuff to do stuff, mm-hmm. but nobody is as prevalent as Nick Cage. Definitely not. Um, but like, he's, yeah, he's definitely not cool anymore, but that mm-hmm. also doesn't mean he's like a bad actor or anything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, um But I mean, that I just, cause like, I never really, perce- I didn't, I, I wasn't as aware of him as like a heartthrobby guy mm-hmm. um, at any point in my life. Cause I was born in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, I don't have that perception of him. So he was always just like an adult guy to me and kind of like a floppy, like kind of like a, a hang dog kind of dude. Um, so like when he does the, like, you may be wondering how uh, the, the, how I am become the number one lover man on my, my district or whatever. <laughs> um, and like that, make sense that it needed to be explained um but then when zoe kravitz does it and i'm like what are you talking about you're zoe kravitz yeah <laughs> like like she like she may be a person that has like issues but yeah. there's no way you're like you have to explain to me why yeah. everybody's in love with you like, yeah why why like how a... you are successful with men like i understand yeah. you're super cool yeah we, we <laughs> like see you seem we awesome. see you like that's it you know yeah, but that's like that's like marie in this too like you yeah. see her and there's no questioning she's cool and like everybody in the bar when she's like she's singing the stupidest song yeah. but everybody in the bar is transfixed because you're just like you're cool i can't not cool. look at this like this is cool you know and she has exactly the same vibe it is yeah. it is really quite astounding to watch um Zoe Kravitz and in having known this movie and you're just like she's just like her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, the club they go to in that in that show is called DeSalle's, by the way. Oh, is it? Oh, so yeah. that it was her club. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. So it's it's sort it. of a little a little nod for the for the old fans. Yeah, I didn't love the TV show, by the way. It had some uh, it had some weird things. First of all, it was it t- takes place an hour. Uh, it's already not an hour. A year after they break up. Oh, that's too far. Right? It changes yeah. the context a lot. That's wait. So what what else didn't you like about it just besides the time period change? Um I think that was it. I think that it like it it I also think that she was worse to men in that show than Rob is to women in this movie. Oh. 
Like, I feel like she really jerks some people around in kind of a way that's like, like he is callous towards other people, but I don't know how callous he is in his actions. Like he's very callous in his attitude and the way he speaks about them to the camera, but he doesn't really affect other people's lives as much as others do. So like, she'll actually like take advantage of people. Oh. Um, and like this guy that she sleeps with, he'll, he'll, she'll kind of like pull him along for a while, even though she's obsessed with her ex still. And it's kind of not cool. And like, I know that he's not cool in this and, and it's, I, I don't really want to defend him as a character. Um, nor, nor do I want to defend uh, any sort of feelings that I associate. Like I've had um, alongside with him. <laughs> like I go, Ugh. Cause I'm, I don't really like those memories in myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, but I feel like, uh, I feel like his deficits of a character is more internal. Um, and that we're only seeing it because of the level of depth that we get into his psychology in the movie, rather than watching them from the third person and seeing what they're doing um, in the real world. So I think this possibly goes back to our discussion about the book where Mm. we think in the book they might be more callous and more mean and maybe the tv show takes more from the book than the movie did so that might be part of it or it could just be that people are meaner and they're just like let's let's make them meaner let's 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 have her be hated for whatever reason well i mean maybe maybe it's that because she's so cool we would be on her side so much more more easily yeah yeah so like it would be much easier for us to gravitate towards her as a person because she's so cool so maybe they amp up the negatives so that we have a similar reaction maybe that was it oh that's true that, that's probably a good thing yeah. yeah um yeah because like even automatically you're just like i don't under like you don't have to explain your coolness like we see it already yeah. but they have to yeah, they have to highly show why she would be overly rejected at the right. same time. Because, I mean, it's scientifically proven. If you're pretty, you get more and people put up with more. Um, so she's got to be like outwardly mean to be mm-hmm. rejected. Um, one thing I did like about the show is that um, instead of the character of Dick, the, the bald guy, mm-hmm. um, it's she actually dated... Um, the, one of her exes on the list is actually one, is is that character who then uh, came out as gay after they dated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's an episode just dedicated to him where he is the first person uh, narrator um, or second person, I guess, because he's talking to the camera. Um, but that one was really good. That was a really interesting and unique episode rather than the rest of it, which was kind of rehashing things stuff yeah um one episode of the tv show actually was just one of the deleted scenes in this movie what have you have you watched the deleted scenes from this? no i didn't know so there's a there's um there's a scene that's in the movie where he talks on the he's on the phone at the at the beginning of the scene and, and hangs up so he goes like something like okay yeah i'll come i'll come soon i'll see it bye and he hangs up um and then he does the whole scene and then it goes on and that's never explained or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what that was is a woman selling her husband's record collection. Okay. Um, so he goes to her house 
and he has this amazing collection of 45s which was like sex pistols um like original seven inches and uh like elvis ones and all these old delta blues things that are just ridiculous and impossible to find um and she's selling her husband's records out of revenge because he ran away with another woman jesus yeah um so that's so the scene is him like i can't possibly do that to somebody else uh i can't buy somebody because she was going to be like give it all to i'll give it all to you for a dollar or something uh and he's like no i can't i can't do it so it's like it's a funny scene because it's like somebody who like it's the it's opposites doing to i'll give you like six thousand she's like i can't take a penny over more twenty dollars and it's (laughs) so like and that's a whole episode of the show um which was an odd choice and it's an odd episode um I mean, it has aspects. I watched it. It was fine, but it wasn't, it, it didn't do the same thing as the movie did for me. Uh, maybe it, it could be because the story is so stretched out in a TV show compared to the compact nature of a movie that sometimes messages get lost in certain ways. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a concept. I, I find it's not a concept that needs that much time to yeah. tell, you know, whereas like other things do need that time, but maybe it's a fault of the writing maybe it's a fault mm-hmm. of the stories decided to tell i don't know it could be a lot of things but i mean it's, yeah. yeah it's a fundamentally different storytelling medium like you're it they weren't it wasn't built as a mini series either it was built as a series so like it didn't end mm-hmm. um and it 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 was building up stuff in order for it to go a long time yeah okay. um and as you would probably tell from watching this movie so many times, uh, that shtick gets a little bit thin. Very, yeah, um, gets and thin like, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're just like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Please stop talking to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need you need a clean break, dude. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my that was my 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 thing about the show is like I was like is I was wondering if John Cusack has a had a similar kind of reputation at this point in time as like somebody cool i i really don't think so like when people talk about the coolness of john cusack they think of like say anything like it's it's automatically boombox over the head people just like that's john cusack and just like no he's he's a jowly old man right now and he does some acting things every once in a while like that's what he does right i honestly can't even think of the last thing i saw him in I don't know either. He sort of shows up in weird things now, I think. Mm-hmm. He's um, in the TV series Utopia? Okay. I hope he does well. I like John Cusack enough. Like, he's not one of those people that are like, ugh. Yeah, he's no, like, he's not. No. no. He's, he's sort of someone like, I hope you're oh, okay, man. That's the last thing I saw him in. Hot Tub Time Machine. Duh. Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> that's the last thing I watched him in. Okay. <laughs> the rich career of John Cusack. <laughs> What was the last thing I saw him? Right, hot tub time machine. Yeah. Well, that's what's the the funny thing about him in that is that he is he plays an older guy who's grumpy as shit, and he was a cool. Well, he thought he was a cool kid at least. Yeah. Um, that's. I mean, that is sort of a goes along with this character, right? Like he's like just reminiscing of his past, like as a, a, an obsession with his juvenile sexuality. Mm-hmm. Well, all of the characters in Hot Tub Time Machine are going through that whole thing, including right. his son, who is, or his, no, it's not his son, it's his nephew. Uh, but Clark Duke in it? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but like all of them are stuck in that phase and Clark, he's the like the nephew is the only one who's just like you guys are acting like children fucking grow up but he also can't talk to a person in person so you're just like i don't know what i don't know whose side we're taking on in here but it's still hilarious yeah so like we've we've talked about this movie from a very uh like a, a, a psychological point of view uh, taking very serious looks at the morality and the and the 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 various positions and and things that being said it's a it's a funny movie right it is like, it still I makes me laugh yeah <laughs> like jack black um doing his crazy guitar thing and like flailing around the yeah. whole time it's still funny he does it well yeah um i saw a post about jack black um playing a fake saxophone on like one of the late night shows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the comment was like this is what happens when you put um all like like your character is all charisma You're like <laughs> you know what it's true like you just enjoy jack black no matter what kind of dickish character he's playing you're just like you're hilarious and you're doing crazy things and you're funny but even in in movies like school of rock you just kind of like you start off dickish but you definitely redeem yourself at the end like it's it's great it's fun that is one of the softest nicest movies i've ever seen like it is such a pleasant movie to watch yeah school of rock yeah i was surprised the first time i like because i refused to see that in the theater i was like this is gonna be stupid it's a bunch of kids singing i don't fucking care and then i actually like saw it on tv one day and i was like Oh, this is actually yeah. pretty good. It's just it. I I I like the movie a lot. I don't think it's it's Richard Linklater made it. Um, who's who I like a lot. Um, it's sort of outside his thing, but it does have the very a very soft touch, yeah. and it's just it's not it doesn't like throw anything in your face, and mm-hmm. it's just like you know what I could spend an hour and a half doing that. Like just yeah. like mm, it's nice. It's a nice yeah. little hug of a movie. It is. I mean, like because the the kids. What I like about it is usually in a movie like this, the kids are fucking pretentious and obnoxious. And even though they have pretentious, obnoxious kids, they make them likable mm-hmm. on a certain level. You know, like you get to understand why they're like this. And, and and like you, by the end of the movie, you're just like, you know what? I like all these kids. These kids are great. They're not precocious. They're not brats. They're not whatever. And the kid who is a brat is brought down a notch in the very nicest way and becomes like a good kid and understanding and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then you have them singing and it's not a whole bunch of just like, I don't know how to play instruments. It's no, there is joy in music. This is how you do it. You know, like, and he gets them into it right away. And also because it's Jack Black, who's obsessed with music, all of his like, you know, music history talks and all of his his stuff about getting them to do it. That's all him doing that stuff. And you're just like, this is amazing. And I love Tenacious D. It's fine. <laughs> I never really got much into them. Um, I must have, like, I, I like, I really, really like, like, four of their songs. Mm. Um, especially Wonder Boy, which is like a, a epic crescendo of a D&D type mm-hmm. adventure you know um and it's one of those things where it's like you gotta ha- it's a it, you gotta have the pipes for it you know it's uh it's a great song and then there's tribute which is just hilarious it's about like these guys fighting having a musical duel with the devil in the in a mm-hmm. in the desert which is is also awesome mm-hmm. um then there's the uh what's the song that meatloaf sings in the tenacious d movie at the beginning that movie's horrendous don't watch it it's really bad <laughs> 
But there are definitely some very funny scenes that you can just get clips of and just watch the clips right. and you're good to go, you know? Um, so yeah, like there's a, there's a few songs and also like fuck me gently is very offensive, mm -hmm. but it's a very funny song. So don't blast it around your parents or anything, but oh, it, it's a, it's a joy every once in a Ooh. while. Too late now. <laughs> the, the bit that makes me laugh in this movie, the hardest, I think, um, is when they beat up Tim Robbins and in, in like John Cusack's like fantasy. Like mm -hmm. the three times. Um, there's two things that make me laugh. One is like the first one where he just yells at him. Mm -hmm. And then he turns away and lights a cigarette and goes, dumb motherfucker. It's, that just makes me laugh every time for some reason. Um, and then on the third one where they murder him. Um, Essentially. It's a, yeah. <laughs> right before um, Dick hits him with the air conditioner, Rob just goes, <laughs> get him, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I love too the, the the like the the vision in his head before that is like them stopping him from killing him, and then yeah. the last one is like no no they let me kill him. Like this is this is allowed. Peeked out with the phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Uh, there there's so many like despite the fact that I I talked down pretty hard about this movie and how I hate the characters and all this kind of stuff. It's true. Like I watched the movie and I enjoyed watching it. Like. I was sitting there getting mad about things, but at the same time, I was like, <laughs> you know, well, and you, like when you watch Seinfeld, like what if you watch like a Seinfeld episode, right? Where mm -hmm. like you're laughing at their callousness, like they are terrible people on that yeah. show. Um, and that is part of the joke. This one, we just kind of get real deep into it. Like, mm -hmm. and it's not always a joke. Yeah, I think I think if Seinfeld had that like fourth wall breaking and we actually get into the psyche of like Costanza or some shit, right. we would hate them a lot more. Right. Than, yeah. yeah. You know. So I, I and that's what I, that's why I, I think this movie's real neat for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. But what do you think is neat about Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz. I saw Hot Fuzz uh, in the theater. Um, so did I. Yeah. But was it? It was two thousand seven. So mm -hmm. it was uh, my second year of university. It was my second year of living in Toronto. Um, I was a big fan of Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and I still am. So this is the second of the Cornetto trilogy. It is. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that the only reason that it's in this one is because they got free ice cream for the references in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. And then they brought so, it back for the third one. And yeah. Then, then like, they, okay. they were just like. They're just like, well, we got free ice cream for last time, so let's make sure we mention it. I still movie. remember when they started calling it the Cornetto trilogy, and I'm like, why the fuck is it a corn? What the fuck is a Cornetto? <laughs> They're like, it's the ice cream. I'm like, the ice cream? And then I rewatched all the movies. I'm like, oh my god, there is a lot of ice cream in these movies. What? And then it just that, like blew my mind. <laughs> I don't want to get too far. My last note I have here about Shaun of the Dead. Uh, sorry, about Hot Fuzz. Um, and it was my biggest laugh at the movie. Um, so I'm going to spoil the movie right now. We're going to I'm going to jump to the end, then we'll go back to the beginning because okay. this, this talks. It's um, it's after James Bond uh, gets the uh, spire through his chin. Oh yeah, that um, scene is so painful looking. And he, and he goes, "This hurts so much. I need some ice cream." <laughs> and in his action movie voice, goes, "There's a lot of ice cream at the station." <laughs> You'll have plenty of ice cream at the station. Yeah. Like it's just such a silly thing. 
Yeah. But they have I, a lot of ice cream at the police station. I love the fact that like the ice cream at the beginning comes back at the end, but you got to pay attention to get that full joke. It's a lot of chunky monkey. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of monkey references now that I said that out loud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of recurring motifs in mm. this movie, um, which, which are really fun. That's mostly what I wrote down. Okay. Yeah. Well, one one thing in this rewatching that I I don't know why I hadn't picked up on this before is how they very deftly set up exactly what was going to happen at the end at the beginning of the movie. Because even like going into the hotel where it's like fascist and hang and then that mm-hmm. comes back to play the end or when somebody's like if you want to be a big cop in a in a small village go see the the miniature village, blah, blah, blah. That's where they Mm -hmm. end up at the end. And like throughout the movie, a bunch of, I realized I'm like, they'd say something like, wait, doesn't that happen at the end of the movie? And then it happened at the end of the movie. And I'm like, wait, but it doesn't that, it's not a thing at the end of the movie. It's at Mm -hmm. the end of the movie. And I was like, oh my God, they're so good at just like putting all these little tidbits in there that come back, you know, at the end. As much as like, I, I think parts of this movie feel like they go off the rails crazily. Like, I know that it was intentional. I know that he did all of this on purpose and this mm-hmm. is his, his sense of humor. Um, so I don't know if it was a mistake, but it, like, it feels less. It feels for some reason, Shaun of the Dead feels the most grounded in reality to me. Yeah. Of the three movies. Like, I actually seems, agree with you. Isn't that really weird? It's a zombie movie. It's it's kind of the craziest of all three. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, but this one is just like the when you get the revolution re- re- uh, the reveal of of what it what's happening it is crazy um, yeah. and and all that kind of stuff but and it and but it does kind of work like clockwork even though it feels like it's off the rails yeah um, and that like everything is a is a setup punchline yeah yeah and everything comes back like yeah. you need to pay attention to like they complain about the swan running around right. all the time comes back at the end like it's it's all of these things that just get put together really neatly but as well as emphasizing every single trope in an action movie ever mm-hmm. in there you know from the michael bay shots to like the the rain falling in the battle scene where it's just like a broken pipe instead you know like it's it's all of these they're wearing their aviators they've got too much guns on their back like there's all of these things are in here but in like the best way possible like i'm gonna i'm gonna shit on last action hero despite i love that movie and last action hero really tried to do that exact same thing but did it in an immensely different way It's, um, uh, that it's I have movie, grown. I like that you're you're go, you're pre- prefacing that you're gonna shit on a movie that was like the Yugo of movies. Like everybody <laughs> made fun of this movie. Yeah. Um, did that one come back? Did Last Action Hero get like a revitalization? Did everyone's like, you know what, Last Action Hero is pretty good. That's me. Is After that years okay. and years and years, like the first time, the first like three times I watched that movie, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. How could they make this movie? What's wrong with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Blah, 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 blah. Bitch, 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 moan, 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 right? <laughs> and then like, I didn't watch it for like 10 years or something. And it was on TV and I watched it and I was like, wait, that's not as bad as I thought it was. And then every time I rewatch the movie, I'm just like, that's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is me now. Like, I like that movie is great. Like even, um, the, the whole scene with the, the, to be or not to be and there's explosions, you know, like yeah. that whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, I realized death is Ian McKellen. And I was just like, what? He's in this, you know, 
it's all that kind of stuff where I just now I'm just like, no, it's it is beautiful satire. This is yeah. perfect. Oh, my God. It's got Brother Numsi from The Golden Child. He's got this crazy eye. For what reason? No reason at all. You know? Well, like he it's, sort of did a thing. similar thing with True Lies later, right? Like True Lies is sort of a of, of a of a dissection of uh, action movies, right? Yeah, but I think it's closer to James Bond than just right. general action. Okay. Um, and but the thing is, despite I think James Cameron is a very smart person, but he's kind of an ass. Oh, no, um, but he's the he, worst. I hate James Cameron. Yeah, uh, you, don't to, makes, you don't have to hold that back on me. He makes great movies um, yeah. because of his technical ability. And I think that's the reason why like True Lies really works. It's just, except for the stupid, uh, the plane sequence at the end where it's just like, I know it's a jump oh, yeah. jet, but that's yeah, not yeah. how it works. Okay. Oh yeah. No, it's yeah. none of the physics in that movie make any sense. That is by <laughs> far my favorite movie of his. I don't think I like any, oh, I like T2. I like, I like oh, you gotta one. love T2. T2 is um, great. But, and, so, but yeah, so it's probably T2. You don't T2 like Aliens? Nope, I don't like Aliens. <gasps> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like Alien. Alien, I love. Yeah. Alien is awesome. I, Aliens, no, oh, not for me. It, I, it was too on the nose. It was too like game over. Man, that's, that's dumb. I don't know. I love <laughs> no, it. I like just, I, I love know. both of those. Like those first two Alien movies, they're very different in like tone, direction, yeah. everything about it is very different. Mm-hmm. But they're on par for me in their mm, quality that- level despite their differences yeah that that is definitely most people's thing i but i also i i went in not liking james cameron um Mm -hmm. and like i I think i'd already seen avatar by the time i saw aliens oh yeah that will ruin it avatar bullshit exactly so (laughs) like i was just like you're doing the same thing yeah i was like no (laughs) Um, (laughs) then i pouted yeah uh, <laughs> like, how dare you yeah <laughs> um but that being said like aliens great i, I love ridley scott's alien that, that's mm-hmm. awesome not um, not his new stuff but mm. i haven't i didn't see the last i didn't see covenant i didn't oh, hate prometheus don't. though i really just like prometheus and covenant is just stupid yeah it made did me did, so did angry make, did he make covenant or is that somebody else no i i think he did covenant as well let's have a look Heath has a very strange trajectory. Remember that Matchstick Men, the movie he made with Nicolas Cage? That's a, actually a pretty good movie. It wasn't also, bad, but yeah. it's so odd that that's the director of Alien. Yeah. Oh, he also he did do Covenant. He did yeah. do Covenant. Mm-hmm. That's odd. It has a very yeah. different tone too. It does. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it it's it's all bad. It's mm-hmm. just it makes me angry. Anyways, I keep saying it like yeah. well, it's gonna make a difference. <laughs> but that being said, like I was I I'm not a a scholar of action movies um oh. so like where you got you have me on for quentin tarantino episodes because i can really do the like okay here's my crazy map with all the red string on it and yeah. i can do all the like so this movie is uh 1972 uh and the blah 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 i can't do that as well with action movies mm-hmm. um so like i know that I, I don't even know if i've seen bad boys 2 I've seen Bad Boys too. Um, I know I watched Bad Boys one at least during the pandemic. <laughs> okay, yes. I might have watched two as well. I remember making a comment um, about one of those movies because I was watching it along with my friend, and I just texted him, "Wives." 
<laughs> like it's one of those ones that's just like my wife is such a pain. Oh my god! <laughs> like yes. that's how I remember those movies. That's my yeah. only remembering from those movies. Like I gotta get home to my wife. Yeah. Well, I definitely watched. Um, so the third movie was released during the pandemic, and because yes. I watched that, I watched one and two again. But also, I realized I forgot ninety percent of what those two movies were. Um, and they are funny. And yeah, he bitches about his wife all the time. Like she's doing something wrong. And I'm like, yeah. no, she's your fucking wife. <laughs> she's Go just home. at home taking care of your children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it also, it also reminded me that Tia Leone is, was a very bad actress originally when she started acting. Right. Oh my God. She's so bad in that movie. Like it's fucking horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen her a lot. I haven't seen her doing much lately. Well, think. she did. Um, was she uh, United States of Terra? Was that? Taylor no, Leone? she did. Um, Madam Secretary on TV. right. Okay. Yeah, that's what she's been doing the last few years. And I swear, before that, she had done like that one X Files episode, and before that, she did uh, Deep Impact, and before that, it was Bad Boys One. Like that's literally all I know of wow. of her career. <laughs> I think I think Madam Secretary might be the show that has one of the craziest movie references lines in it. For it's like a CBS like procedural, right? Like it's like it's it's along the lines of like West Wing, like it's all political yeah. talking back and forth. Got to so, stop the bombing and wherever. And I think it was during a walk and talk. Now that you mentioned the West Wing, uh-huh. <laughs> I think it was a de- uh, an Aaron Sorkin uh, walk and talk, um, and I think she says. Um, I think this is this show. I think she says, I want this buried so deep that the Criterion Collection can't find it. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> like, like, is that them trying to be like witty and be like, I'm part of pop culture. I know things like what? Is, what is that? I, I agree. That is what it was. It made I, me laugh because yeah. I'm a dork. I am the guy that they refused to sell the um the 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 the, the Captain Beefheart record to in High Fidelity. Like yeah, I am you're the way guy too going, into it. You're like, exactly. no, you don't deserve this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, you're you're a dork. I am a dork. I know that. Um, so I think that the reference to the Criterion Collection is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But who watching Madam Secretary is like? <laughs> <laughs> you guys got him. Yeah, <laughs> I personally. To me, I think if I heard that line, like I was watching the show, giving it a chance and that line came up, but I, I would have laughed and then changed the channel. Like, nope, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. This, they're not even they're not even trying at this point. I got to go. <laughs> or maybe I would be thinking something along like it can't get better than this. Right. I'd be like, just leave on a high note. Just walk yep. away, you know. So, oh, my God. Really? Jeez. Um, <laughs> my, so my, my first note about Hot Fuzz is there is just a cavalcade of british comedians in the first like five minutes minutes yes and it was awesome uh my first note is actually that i think him walking through the door and that walk is a like it's one of those things that's a little too long that it makes you (laughs) uncomfortable and you start to giggle at it and i was like that is fucking perfect (laughs) i i think edgar wright's biggest like arrow in his quiver is his editing Mm -hmm. his editing is insanity um but he does that insanity to the point he's trying to make yes so like it is like that like you said like that is too long and i'm sure he's watched this 400 times i'm guessing having anything there is too long for him so he's just like this is crazy long that this person's just walking forward 
Yeah. For, yeah. for like 10 seconds. Yeah. Which I mean, when you think about it, 10 seconds isn't that long. But when you're just watching somebody walk, you're like, are we doing it? Like, and there's nothing else happening. It seems like the building is empty. Like there's nothing <laughs> else happening. It's just the sound of him walking. He opens the door. He takes off his hat. It's under his arm. Like, but you can't even see who it is. And he's just coming forth. And then he gets right up to the camera. And you're just like, what? Why was that so long? But why do I suddenly think it's funny? So that stuff is really long. And then the scene with him in front of the constables. Oh my God. Um, so which was Martin Freeman, Steve Coogan, and Bill Nye. Bill Nye, yeah. That is so fast. Like, that is just like joke, 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 joke. Like, there is no breathing room in any of that scene. Like, that scene where two people are sitting across from each other at a desk is cut together like an action movie sequence. Yeah, they even have, like, they even have, like, the swoosh sound and everything, you know? Like, those scenes are shot as if they are the the apex of the action movie. Yeah. With their Michael, with the Michael Bay half second cuts. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I like about because um, I was watching this video where they like announced they were analyzing uh, Edgar Wright's uh, style of editing, especially showing passages of time and stuff, <laughs> um, and how he loves to, instead of like, he does montages, but he picks his montages very specifically. And like, for example, with um, like uh, Simon Pegg going from London to the village, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't show him really traveling. It shows concepts of travel. So it showed like luggage, it showed a sign, it showed time, it showed another door. And you're like, you're not traveling with him. You have the idea that he has traveled. And until like i mean you always subconsciously get those things you're just like yeah he went from here to here that's that's all that that part's doing but you don't really think about it but then it was analyzed and it's just like that is fucking witty oh my god because usually most things it's like they show outside of a window and like the scene going by or like somebody forlonging somewhere or whatever you know boring stuff or you're just like this is great it's also much faster than the other stuff yeah i mean these you make a good point these movies are too clever for their own good they are i think like it is it is somebody going like i'm gonna get one over on them and it's like it's and but like in a really clever way like it or or like a a monty python sketch Mm -hmm. right like there is something to it where it's like there's a very very smart person wrote this but on the surface it's completely nothing so it's it is that it's too clever for its own good like the concept of it is too big for what they're they're able to fit into it yeah but you dead, can unpack it in a weird way yeah like the dead parrot sketch which always blows my mind as to why is this so funny yeah it's just two guys talking about a dead parrot mm-hmm. why is why am i laughing at this there's no yeah. reason for this to be hilarious yet mm-hmm. here we are yeah mm-hmm. no it's there's there's a lot of like really strange like <laughs> things that are just like oh i get what they're doing it's that's funny. It's yeah. it's like that's when you say like, oh, that's funny. Like it's not even something you really laugh at. You're <laughs> like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, just like ha. <laughs> it's like you. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a good joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my my uh, next note on this movie is so his Janine or his mm-hmm. ex girlfriend. I recently found out that was Kate Blanchett. Yes, I wrote that down. Um, as mind. well as um, the person that um, stabs him, the mm-hmm. one that's dressed like Father Christmas. That's Peter Jackson. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that one. I thought I blew my mind with the Kate Blanchett thing. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I got a really good one. Yeah. And here you are. Thank you. Oh, I didn't know about the Kate Blanchett one. I think I had known the Peter Jackson one before, but then forgot. Um, Mm -hmm. I I saw it on the Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. (laughs) You did slightly more research. I did a little bit. I I mostly was just, I think I looked up the songs a lot, actually, Mm -hmm. because we had just come off of High Fidelity. So I was was all like, what are the songs? There's, there's a bunch of kink songs in it, which which I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just two, but that's still quite a bit. Um, but they're both from an album called the Village Green Preservation Society. That's witty. Yeah. I like it. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be our thing now. That's, 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 funny. that's funny. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, a good bit. That's a good, I like that bit. That's a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about this movie, though, is I was. A, the jokes are too fast for me to take a lot of notes on them, A. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, I kept getting distracted by how much I was enjoying it to take notes. Yep. <laughs> and then, so I have very few notes for this movie, yet I have all of the things to say about how much I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, this one will be much more of a, like, I don't have any problems liking this one. I like this one all the way. <laughs> I don't feel like I have to apologize. <laughs> well, it's one, it's one of those movies where, like, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, and a thing is happening, right? Yeah. It's a ridiculous thing, and there's a lot of very gruesome murders, especially with the steeple falling on the reporter. That one's rough. That one's <laughs> still hard to look at, and the fact that he's still standing, stumbles around, and then falls <laughs> over, and you're just like, no. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. <laughs> it's also like it makes a lot of references to Shaun of the Dead as well, mm-hmm. which is which is strange. Um, one of which the first one that I noticed. So like Nick Frost is is an inebriate when we first meet him, right? Like yeah, that, I, my first thought was like, oh, that's his zombie walk. <laughs> exactly, that's yeah. exactly what I wrote down. He's doing the zombie walk that he did from from the other one. Yeah. Um, as well as there's a lot of um stuff that's red getting on people that's not blood. <laughs> uh, so, what, like the, what, what does he say he's like it's okay it's just bolognese yeah exactly oh, great. and yeah. then um uh nick angel uh hits um hits the 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 cart guy with the uh with a jar of strawberry jam yes yes um and that's like and and I, that's a, that has to be a reference to you've got red on you right mm-hmm yeah. Which is the which is the which was a motif in in Shaun of the Dead, as well as the the thing with you ever taken a shortcut before, and jo- <laughs> jumps goes over the fences. Which I love shows up in every movie. Like yeah, all of them. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, odd trilogy of movies. But I think I think putting in like you you definitely don't have to watch one to watch the other in any way, shape, or form. But mm-hmm. once you have watched all three of them. There's so many nods to previous stuff that makes it funnier. So instead of just going, oh, that's funny, you actually might laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just makes it just a, it's a little bit better. It's like it's sugar and on, on top of everything. Mm-hmm. I like it. But like also back to being too clever for its own good. Did you notice all the names of all the people in the town? Not really. So uh, I just wrote some of them down. Um, I, well, I know that I noticed um, uh, Piss Taker because he actually right. like outwardly so mentions it. Staker. Yeah. Uh, there's Reaper, Skinner, Shooter, Staker, Roper, and Hatchet. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did I not 
pick up on that. Yeah, that is everybody in the town, or and merchant is the one that sold um, uh, air con- like uh, refrigerators, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, blower uh, like a blowhard was the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the other names, but yeah, no, they're all like they're all either violent names or descriptions of what they've done. <laughs> I bet you when they were writing the script, they're just like, you know, just just put him down as blower for now. He like blow hard. Sure, we'll just yeah. we'll change it later. And they're like, nah, this works. We'll leave it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it's sort of one of those things, like you didn't notice. We we've and it's sort of like one of those ones just like, wait, his name is Skinner? Wait, what's that person's name? The doctor's name was Hatchet. What's happening here? <laughs> and do, so I, I tried to write them down that. as I went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good one to pick up on. No, oh. my God. Um, there was a reference to The Shining that I picked up on this time, mm-hmm. which I think was actually pretty obvious. And I was just dumb. Um, but it's when he goes, check in, but you've always been here. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's watch. like, oh, I thought you were my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a that's he does pepper in stuff the same way that Tarantino does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's as direct though i don't know what do you think about that no it's not as direct because uh like there are definitely certain things in there that are very direct uh Mm -hmm. like i said like the michael bay stuff where it's like it's a low angle sun behind them and he does like the full turnaround you know like that is a michael bay shot that is essential Mm -hmm. that's what it's kind of called now right Mm -hmm. um whereas he does a lot of like little homages that are they're subtle enough that you're just like, is that from something? Or are you just being clever? What, is, what are we well, doing? Well, I, I wrote that down about, so when they saw the play, the Romeo and Juliet play. Yeah, and that's, it ends that's the with... Baz Luhrmann one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, did, I forgot about the Baz Luhrmann Yeah, one. it's completely it, the Baz Luhrmann one. Like the, the costumes you're wearing, right. the set that's the like even the, the drinking, lying down, her shooting stuff in the head, and then the song that's right. fully That's Okay, the song Baz is Luhrmann. from that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that was my question. Is like, why is that song there? That's... Like, it's from it's from the that's terrible. Why is that in a real movie? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that that was in that. What movie. are you talking? That was like the that is. I don't the think song I've seen it. The... Well, oh, okay. Oh, that explains a lot. I, I... <laughs> a lot <laughs> explains a lot. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'll say I like Moulin Rouge a lot, um, uh, but I didn't. See, oh I don't God. think I saw the the to Romeo. Be and honest, Juliet. I think it was I was ten. I think when the Romeo and Juliet came out. Oh, that makes sense. Well, yeah. um, I have you know I'll, I'll keep the story to myself. It's fine. I I will do that story when I get to Romeo and Juliet. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, um, but yeah, the, if you've watched that Romeo and Juliet, as soon as you see their costumes, I mean, especially mm. her with like the tiny angel wings. Right, which they shouldn't actually have on in that scene, anyways. If you watch the Baz Luhrmann version, but it's very clearly the costumes from that and the scene from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the movie, that song isn't used at that point okay. or in that way. Don't get me wrong; it's used much earlier on. But like the soundtrack for that movie, which includes Radiohead, by the way, right, um, is fantastic and like a lot of the songs from it made like was a big deal did Ray um, do an original song for that one uh it was uh what is it it's just or credits did... at the end of a movie is what it's called okay because i end think of a film i think that's one of those uh that might be an, an, on an album though 
It is. It's on. But, okay. I think it's on OK Computer. It's on OK Computer. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I think that one might have one that's like this was only. Remember when like bands did um, songs that were only on the soundtrack for a movie? Yes. Yeah. Like that Seal song, "Kiss from mm-hmm. Rose" is on the Batman Forever soundtrack. Like yeah. that's the album that that song is on. Isn't that yeah. weird? <laughs> Which is weird. Yeah. But great song. Don't get me wrong. But uh. we should watch the music video. It has Batman in it. <laughs> Who's the wait? Who's the girl? Is it like Nicole Kidman is the one he's saving? In Nicole the, in Kidman video? is the one in Batman Forever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. God, that movie's bad. Anyways, because yeah. she's like she works for like a bank or something, and you're just like, why are you here? What is what is happening? Um, <laughs> why are you hanging out with Batman? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think she originally shows up because a. Uh, Somebody robs somewhere and she's like the insurance person. He's like, I'm going to talk to Batman. And you're just like, that is what? the worst plot for a movie. <laughs> for like the romantic, the meat cute is yeah. that she's an insurance adjuster. <laughs> I forget what it is, but it's a, like, I think the last time I watched it, I was like, is that what she is? Why is she? <laughs> what? I don't, I don't know. Don't hold it against me that I forgot what she's supposed to be. <laughs> she's Bruce Wayne's claim adjuster. That's why. <laughs> That's his romantic interest. Is just uh, she came wait, to or, reassess the Bat Cave. Or wait, or is she the one who's the um the psychiatrist? Oh, maybe she's that the might psychiatrist. be it. I, was she not a? Oh, the, the journalist was the first movie, right? That's Kim Basinger in Batman. Yes. So yeah. she's a journalist. And then the second one is Catwoman, who's Catwoman, who's Catwoman. Okay. She she might be the psychiatrist. No, isn't the psychiatrist in in Batman and Robin with like with like Riddler and stuff? Wouldn't that be the psychologist one? No, Batman and Robin is the one with um, Poison Ivy. Is she the love interest though? No, she's not the love interest. Who's the love interest in that one? I don't think he has a love interest in that one. Right. Like he has like, a, he goes to like a party and there's like a model on his shoulder at one point in time, but he spends well, yeah. time trying to save Robin his, and his they're trying beard. to figure out Batgirl. Yeah. That's the one that's like getting, cause they're, they're legit was like a, like a Batman or Robin or gay thing in mm-hmm. like, not like in a, in like, I know everyone makes jokes about it, but like that was actually a concern in the sixties. Yeah. Well, because so they, it's it's a man a, and a young boy in a castle together. Oh. It's oh, it's weird, uh, hmm. for sure. Um, but so they gave them like a family for a period in like the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. So like I I feel like like Batman and Robin was getting a little close to like maybe we need to explain their relationship. Yeah, because like they had nipples on their suits in that one for no reason and that's yeah. the only thing people focused on because they're just like why are there nipples on that why well, does like, what? why does batman need like a molded plastic abs well it's for protection <laughs> <laughs> but the protection doesn't need nipples i get the molded yeah. abs it's yeah. the nipples that are the real problem <laughs> Uh, but what was really funny is that then they had a Batgirl suit who had molded boobs. Hers didn't have nipples. And I was like, that's true. What? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, For, I'm happy like, yeah. that they didn't have, but at the same time. 10 year old me agrees with you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that movie and just being so angry in the theater. Like I fully <laughs> watched it in the theater and I was sitting there going, what the fuck is this nonsense? Are you kidding me? And, and, and history will know that as the free the uh, bat nipple movement. Yes, it was a very mm-hmm. important movement. Yeah. 
gotta say uh but even like the mr freeze outfit his thing had nipples on it too there wasn't they didn't close in on it but it did well i mean it's very cold in there it's just so, it's just poking through. The yeah, what's happening? Yes. <laughs> oh my god! But like one thing I did enjoy about the movie is Schwarzenegger did play a good Mister Freeze. It's just everything around him was garbage. Yeah, everything. I, yeah, it's it's it was a it was campy. Uh, I'm not a huge camp person, mm-hmm. although I've come to really enjoy the Batman TV show, the '60s one. Oh yeah, yeah. It but is, that that's a that's a different level of camp yeah, than this 100%. one. Like. Like Batman and uh, like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, essentially what they were told is make it more like the comic books because right. these were the first ones. They were good, but they were too dark, you know, yeah. and those also had some campiness to it, but it was more. I don't I want to don't want to say based in reality or anything, but yeah, they're yeah. just Tim Burton. He's got a special yeah. way of doing things right. Um, but they're just like, no, make it more like the comic books. There's always like neon lights and, and people are jumping and saying snappy things like holy sheeted metal Batman. And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. And then they, it's like they didn't know where to stop that level. And they just went from point A to triple Z. And you're just like, you've gone too far. And they just mm-hmm. couldn't rein it back. It yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And then it swung back pretty hard the other way. But yeah, the, the, yeah. the 60s Batman show is legit a comedy and really funny. Yeah, that, but that's what it was made to yeah. be, though. So that was great. Whereas, you know, those Batman movies, it took itself surprisingly silly, uh, like seriously for mm-hmm. what it was. Like it's right. silliness, but you're just like, no, we're going to be really serious and, and act. And you're just like, yeah, no. he pulls out a, a Batman MasterCard or no, no, it was an American Express, I think. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, and that's... you're just like, no. What? Never no. leave the Batcave without it, it which yeah. is a slogan. Yeah, it's. I I do not have a response to any of that. Uh, every time somebody I see that, it just shuts me down because you're just like, uh, 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 okay. You guys, like, you already did this one, right? You already yeah. you already got through <laughs> Batman. There you go. <laughs> which which was a lot of like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, <laughs> it's expected. I'm always still surprised it did not ruin George Clooney's career, but it did ruin Chris O'Donnell and Alicia Silverstone's careers. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But Uma Thurman survived as well. Yeah, that's true. I don't think she was like, I mean, she was doing a big performance, but I don't think it was as embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I would agree with that. Like her whole thing was just to be sultry and like stand around and go like this and be like, oh, yeah. I mean, she was playing like a silly character Mm -hmm. where the other ones were like supposed to be people. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Kind of in a way, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she survived as well. But even like Schwarzenegger's career took a hit after that. But then he came back for a little bit. And now eh, he's not doing that much anymore. He was the governor of California. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of political things. Yeah. Did you know? So near the end of this movie, uh, when they're talking about the greater good and all and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, the, the the police chief. Uh, Danny's dad says that they need to make Sanford great again. Did you notice that? Yeah, but I'm going to say that has nothing to do with the things that came after it. Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Trump watched this and was like, I've got an idea. Uh, No, it was, but it was 2007. How crazy is that? That that was like, that's his thing. Yeah. 
But the fact that you've said it just kind of hurts my heart a little bit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want anything. I don't want anything to do with those things. Well, I mean, it was. I mean, if it was, I mean, Black Klansman did it like during the time, right? Yeah. Like did the like pretty much the exact same same things. Which is like, we need to, we need to make it great again. Yeah. Like just sort of like as a as like a funny nod to it. But like this, that works as a funny nod, but way before that would be relevant. Well, the whole thing with that statement is that. Like people, a had a problem with it because it was used by like Nazis and white supremacists before as a statement to. It can be great if it was white, essentially. Yeah. Um. So that's why a lot of people had a problem with it, but a lot of people didn't know the history of a pull like a political person using that statement, mm. and. So, like, some people are just like, no, we are going to make America great again because it used right. to be great. But but also, if you think about the statement, has America been that great? Oh, God, no. Uh, <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Uh, it, no, uh, yeah. that, that, no, I'm, I'm not by any means uh, excusing anything like oh, that. Oh, no, but neither was it am used I. That long but... ago? Was it used in, like, 2007 by, like, like white supremacist groups and things? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering but, how prescient it was. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. But I know like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, like it's clear they do their research when they do stuff like this. And they put a lot of effort into making things the way they are, obviously paying a lot of close attention to details. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those things where they like looked it up and they're just like, you know, it'd be great if we use this line for somebody who's murdering people so their town stays pretty and wins an award. <laughs> I think that might work. Well, I mean, it, it's then followed by something like an incredibly racist story, right? Like, or or him talking about the 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 Romani. Uh, is that what's called? Um, what's the proper term for Roma? Yeah. The Roma. The, the Roma, Roma had yeah. had moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like going going on about that, like that is what he was saying was super racist. Yes. Um, yeah. like it was, and and he murdered them for mm-hmm. for for their ethnic ethnic background. Yeah. Um, so like it, I don't, it, it definitely applies to the same ethos that that it's applied to now, but just nine years before he ran for president. Yeah. Well, I th- I think one of the morals of this this movie, which I think there actually is a moral, is that mm-hmm. like you things cannot be perfect. And if things are perfect, there's probably something very wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to all things in in, in general. Um, like, especially like, you know, people complain like, oh, the street's dirty or this is dirty, blah, blah, blah. But then think of what it takes to have certain things in place or who needs to be there to do it and blah, blah, blah. And then people don't want to do that and, 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 and things like that. And I think like this movie's them quote unquote, hiding everything under the rug, murder Mm -hmm. everything, throw them in a basement, forget about it. Our town is perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why they keep saying it's for the greater good because it gives them an excuse to keep doing the horrible things that they're doing, right? Because they want to win an award. I mean, the the nativism has been much, much bigger in the the last seven or eight years, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. post like Obama stuff and, and the rising of, of Trump stuff. So like, and I think that it's, uh, Europe has been, if not like the same, if not worse, right? Like, it, like yeah. I, I, the, I, I just watched the, the, the Euro cup 
and they have all this stuff about uh, uh, equal play and all that kind of stuff. They're doing it. They have a similar kind of campaign as 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 sports teams here do, where they're trying to build up equality. But there's a lot of racism uh, in the fan bases. Mm-hmm. Um, as if and if you watch like the reactions to uh, uh, the the final, it it was it was similar. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that has to do with like there's just a general sense of xenophobia in the world right now. Um, and a lot of that has to stem with how connected our world is. So people feel like they're being invaded and they can't stop it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, we're losing our culture. We're losing this. We're losing that. Where, you know, instead of embracing differences that can expand your mind and blah 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 you don't have to lose your culture it's up to you essentially but people are just like no all of these people are coming and taking stuff away and and it it just goes i I think this is like a cyclical thing that Mm -hmm. happens you know where it's like there's a new technology or certain people move from one place to another and all of a sudden they're taking our jobs and they're they're doing these things and they're polluting the water and you know, people get up in arms and mm-hmm. then they realize later on, like, oh, that was kind of stupid. And then something else comes along and they do it again, yeah. essentially. Um, and I think that's what's happening. And and with with certain, you know, dictators and politicians and presidents and whatever, like they have given a voice to those people who are scared again for the wrong reasons instead of trying to not just, you know, like make them feel better about themselves but to be like hey why don't we try doing this to you know make things better they're just like they're they're putting gas on the fire and they're just like making it blow up and it it gives a lot of people the want to just do whatever they want like because that's why like hate crimes have gone up so much in the last little while and you know it's it's asian people and black people and you know gay people and uh, trans people like it's like the numbers have gone up like crazy And one of the crazy things is like uh, violence against service workers has gone up a great deal. Um, It's, you know, like in stores and shops, but especially in in airlines and stuff where their their incident report of passengers doing stuff has gone up something like a thousand percent or whatever in a time where people aren't even really traveling. But mm-hmm. the few that are traveling fucking want to fight everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think they've been there's been fights at a lot of sports games too. I think yeah. it's just like people don't know how to react to other humans anymore. Yeah, or um, something. Which seems odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was gonna say I, I grew up in Quebec, um, which is has the same kind of protectionist kind of stuff as as what we're kind of talking about in this movie. I mean, it's not obviously they're not murdering people. Mm-hmm. Although I mean, especially for a period, some people did. Oh, um no. <laughs> Yes. Like the FLQ did, yes. did that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it makes my relationship with where I come from rather complicated because they don't like me um, because of the language I speak and what I represent. I represent an invasion of English culture into, into uh, their, their culture. And it's, mm. it's difficult. I mean, it's, yeah. and, and it's also like, but I also, I kind of like where I'm from and don't really want it to change all that much. So like, I understand them trying to want to protect the things that they have, but at the same time, they don't like me being there. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a difficult situation with I me mean, with that specific kind of thing. Cause it is, it is a small culture as well. And it would yeah. get overtaken by Americans just like Canada does. Canada has um, rules about Canadian content on television and our media and things. It's, it's, I mean, it's a much smaller scale than murdering, um, 
uh, um, traveling nomads. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's the the idea of protecting a culture in order to pass it along is is a is an interesting subject. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree with it, as I said. Um, mm. But uh, I mean, but also like it's and and what what you're speaking to is it's it's sort of a separate uh, note. It's it's that is similar to like what how racism kind of has always bloomed, right? Like it's always thinking that someone's going to come in and take what you have, mm-hmm. or um, treating people like they are less than you are, right? Oh, yeah. um and so like it's uh it, the 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 adversity that you're facing is because of outsiders coming in mm. um which is horrible um yeah. and and racist and um at its truest sense that is what xenophobia is um so it's yeah i mean that's and that is sort of what this movie's dealing with right like it's, it is, at yeah. its heart it's dealing with these are white people not wanting others to come in yeah or not wanting their town to change so like there's young people they're gonna loiter they're gonna want to have fun they're gonna yeah graffiti is really annoying but you can just wash it off the fucking wall instead of murdering people you know or you know the guy who wants to make some money he's he's the he's a living statue you're real mad at that like tell him to go somewhere else the joke where he was in the crypt oh that was so bad (laughs) (laughs) first of all i was horrified that they murdered all those kids that were drinking in the bar Like that was really surprising. I did not remember that they, that happened. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts over to the living statue guy in the same pose as he was. <laughs> he's all perfectly gold. His yeah. eyes are like his eyes are wide open. And he's got this stupid look on his face. We're just like, no, you're, you're seeing like decaying bodies and blood and like holes in people. And then you just see this. You're just like, wow. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, it was that was it was a lot more horrifying than I remember actually. Yeah. Like that scene with the crypt was like, oh my god, they really just like murdered tons of people. Yeah. Well, because at the beginning of that scene, when he falls through the whatever and he goes into like the it was caravan, the camper van, yeah. But it's like they're old decaying bodies. You're just like, oh no, they killed those people. But then he walks out, and then you see the fresh bodies, and you're just like, yeah. oh god, they're still killing people. What is? Oh, oh my god! Like, yeah, there's yeah, been a bunch hard. of ones we didn't know about. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're like, you know, we've seen them have an accident, but you know, the others, you're just like, no, we just murdered them and put them in the basement. We're we're fine. We're good. <laughs> what also surprises me is there are a bunch of kids. Are they their kids? So they're not reporting them missing. I don't what? know. Okay yeah, that's that true. I don't know who those children are supposed to be um, yeah. related to here. I never. I didn't think that. I was like, wouldn't that be the people's children? <laughs> yeah, because my first thought was like where are these kids parents didn't yeah. something come across the line saying like people are calling in about uh hedges being cut and birds right. going missing but you know my 16 year old son has been missing for a week i don't know what yeah happened. he went to the pub and then never came back came back yeah um <laughs> like what i looked at the pub he wasn't there um yeah. i i really do like the reveal though um I mean, we talked, maybe we shouldn't talk about all the serious like stuff behind it anymore because yeah. <laughs> it is really, it is, it is pointing to something really awful. Um, but um, the reveal that it wasn't the big plot that he had like surmised, right? Like it was about this development group and they were going to buy up all the land outside town and merchant was going to build a road that would make that land accessible as like a mall. And it's all about gentrification mm-hmm. and about like really what, the real things would be like people protecting 
the small businesses and protecting like that, that kind of protectionist stuff. Uh, but no, it's just that those people were annoying and their house was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he, she's just like, Oh yeah. But she, you know, he had a really ugly hedge outside and <laughs> you know, he, he refused to cut it down. So he murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. But what about this person? Like her laugh was annoying. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Like, but, but what about the conspiracy about this? Like, uh, that house was a monstrosity. <laughs> like, oh, is that why you actually like True. when you realize like they actually like killed him that way to blow up the house so it yeah. physically wasn't there anymore? You're just like, wait, so you can win the best village award? <laughs> so it's not it's not really about protecting anything. It's about you won an award for and how good a, you are. At something. He was a terrible actor. Yeah, terrible actor. <laughs> He was a terrible actor. And we had semi-professionals waiting in the wings. <laughs> what He was, he an, was extra. an extra in Straw Dogs, and she <laughs> played a cadaver in Prime Suspect. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Which is probably, like, the funniest British, like, media references. Ever, yeah. He was an extra in Straw Dogs. See, Straw that. Dogs I know about. The other one I didn't know about, but I was like, it's oh, like a, It's TV. like CSI or whatever, right? Oh, like, okay. it's just a poli- I think it's a police procedural. Okay. I was just like, oh, okay. We're just going to go with it for the shows. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I mean, but like Edgar Wright would, would reference straw dogs. He likes those kind of things. Kind like of, he's sort yeah. of, uh, he's sort of, a, it, that's a horror movie adjacent thing. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Which this movie sort of is too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they definitely hyped up. Like it was horror movie gore in a procedural type movie, mm-hmm. uh, which because usually in a procedural type movie, they like the the shooting and the violence is intense and crazy. But the blood splatter was it was a lot. It was, it definitely was slasher movie violence. Yes. Um, yeah. Which I think it kind of reminded me of the violence in uh, Baby Driver. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I did not like because of the violence in it. Actually, oh, it turned me off of it. I... And then Kevin Spacey. Oh well, yeah, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> which I think we talk about off. every time I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> every time we end up with Kevin Spacey, why are we here talking about this man again? <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, uh... Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin Spacey, Michael Jackson, and Bill Cosby were hanging out in the bar. All the women left. Uh, and all the kids came in. I, mean, and ev- I would say everybody left at that point. <laughs> just walked that, out. I, I think that covers all the groups. <laughs> like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. I think everybody, we have, the, we have and, the, the Triforce of Sex Criminals. Yeah. And the bartender was like, we're closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the joke is uh, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, and Kevin Spacey walk into a bar and then the bar shuts down. Yes, done. That's that's the whole joke. <laughs> then the building doesn't exist anymore <laughs> after that. They need to the, sanitize they, the block. Yeah, they couldn't sanitize it. Just have to burn yeah. it down. Just get rid of all of it. Burn yeah. it with fire. What makes me mad about that though is like I still listen to Michael Jackson music. I I can't not. I, I saw a dude wearing it. a shirt the other day, like a Michael Jackson Thriller shirt, and I kind of went, you know, if you listen to the music, no one has to know about it. Right, like you can yeah. let your own private thing. Yeah, you're advertising the music on your chest. <laughs> like I have a I have a T-shirt 
that like a red t-shirt that has the print on it like it's the jacket the, the, the red jacket. jacket he's wearing and yeah i stopped wearing that shirt because yeah, i'm just right, like I, I can't i can't do this i saw a girl wearing a Marilyn manson shirt like a week after that happened oh, no. and i went like that's a you're making a point <laughs> yeah wait or is it possible she just doesn't know or understand i mean maybe i i don't know i mean i guess i'm I mean, I pay attention to like music news websites and things, so mm-hmm. like, maybe that would maybe maybe that flew under the radar. But like, like I don't want to be one of those people. But there's a lot of people who wear band shirts and stuff, and they don't know who they are, what they are. They're just like, I think it's cool, and they put it on. Like it's yeah. like a pattern or whatever. Like if, but us if true fans know, we know the truth. Criminal. Yes, <laughs> we know what he did. I think, um, I think yeah. my onion headline for that week that I loved was um, finally my mom and I have the same opinion of Marilyn Manson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Um, despite uh, his song, beautiful people, he is not a beautiful person. So Mm-mm. we will leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, it was sort of one of those, uh, you know, sometimes appearances are exactly what it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really sad when you hear things about people and you're just like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. it's like, wasn't that sort of implied? Yeah, like, <laughs> I get it. Like, yeah. like some people, it's a shocker. You're like, what? No. Other people are just like, uh-huh. Well, like, what, this is new? What? Yeah. No, I thought this this was just it. We well, just- like, people get reevaluated that way, right? Remember, like, R. Kelly? And I was like, I thought we already knew all that. Yeah. Like, like that people- was something we knew 20 years ago. Yeah. Like the whole thing with Kim Kardashian being famous is because she got peed on by him. Like it's it's well, no, I did not Ray know J. that. No, that was Ray J. I got that one wrong. <laughs> oh okay. Um, but yeah, like, I think like you're mashing together urban legends. Yeah, I'm like mashing things together and stuff. But I always I always like to remind people like Kim Kardashian is famous because she got peed on by Ray J. Just an FYI, and she was also a lackey to Paris Hilton. It's that one I kind of knew. I did not yeah. know she got peed on. She yeah apparently it was a, it was a whole thing. There's some tape that. somewhere that somebody did, and people were just like we're interested in what you do, and you're just like, but why? I don't know. I know there's like 18 seasons of that reality show. I have um, not watched a single episode, but I know way too much about them. Despite never watching an episode, I can makes almost me angry. I can almost name them all. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a Chloe in there. Uh, I think there's a Chris with a K. And a Courtney. It's wait, is, is Chris it? the is mother? All of them? Chris is the mother. No, Kenda. Kenda's the little one. Kendall. Who, Kendall. Kendall. Yeah. Okay. Which does now that I say it, it sounds like a Mattel product. <laughs> it's actually a Ken doll. There's a yeah. Yes. It's, it's 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 pronounced with the long A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, this is something I never thought I'd be doing on this podcast. Na- trying to it. name all the Kardashians yeah. or, or their basketball player husbands. <laughs> that I don't know. I'm like, was it a black guy? Yeah. They're, they're, that's <laughs> it. That's all I got. And we veered into jokes I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. It's yep. okay. I cannot. <laughs> um, yeah. Talking about jokes we can't make. Um, yep. um, another joke that I actually liked a lot in this movie, and that was another one of the callbacks. I had to write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you remember the part where it's like where they're talking about how there's so many more guns in the country? And he goes, uh, every farmer and his mom is packing. Oh, my God. No, I didn't pick up on that before. Yeah. So okay. then later on in the movie, 
he's when Nicholas Angel's running back into town, he comes up to the farmer and the farmer goes, Mom! And she pulls out a shotgun. <laughs> Kicks up the See, yeah. that's not even the part I was thinking that that was referring yeah. to. Yep. I thought that was or maybe it's said at that point in time where uh, where he goes to the guys, uh, the guy who's cut the wrong hedge. And he's like, I have right. a, a license for this yeah. one. And then they go to the back. I thought that's what that line was referring yep. to. No, nope, okay. it's literally his mom. Yeah. His mom is the one that's packing. You know? I love the fact that he fully like jumps over and kicks her in the face. Yeah. He's like, nope, I don't care how old she is. She's got a gun. She's getting kicked in the face. Done. <laughs> Full force, both feet. Over the <laughs> over the fence in the and then they show her face after and her nose is clearly broken yeah, and her nose like is all blood broken. all over it. Yeah. Like, oh my god, which is intense. I also find it interesting in this movie that none of the bad guys die. Yeah, no, they all there's a huge all shootout, but they're all just injured. Yeah, isn't that an odd choice? No, but I think that shows the difference between the good guy and the bad guy in this, right? Where the bad guy, he's like, no, to get rid of my problem, I need to murder everyone. Mm -hmm. And the good guy in this, because he's by the book, his thing is to apprehend and go by the law, right? And so to take them down, he needs to protect himself from being murdered, but he's not going to kill anybody. He's just going to stop them from killing him. And I thought that was awesome. I would think that most of the time in this kind of movie, they would kill them. Like, I mean, they, they would kill them in a regular action movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, ever, like it would be a shootout and people would get blown away, mm-hmm. like at the end of Wild Bunch or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, this one purposefully doesn't. Like, it jumps through hoops not to do that. To and do you're it, right. Yeah. That would be why. But it is it is interesting. Like, usually, and like a, a somebody else that wouldn't have that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of other movies they would just all gotten shot in the face, and that, yeah. that would have been it. I mean, like, even when satisfying. he even when he like falls and gets the steeple in his jaw, he would actually got like through the top of his head, and he right. would be like dead, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think and that's one of the reasons why- because that's what happened to the other guy. Other guy got it through the that got it on the top of his head. So like yeah. it would be it would work as mm-hmm. a, like as a mirror, like and as quote unquote the justice of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's they like I said they go out of their way to make it so that's not lethal. But I also think that's one of why I like this kind mm-hmm. of thing. But this may also be going like um, because they're taking so much stuff from like action films and like, you know, superhero things and, and all that kind of stuff. This may go like the Batman route where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'll break your arms and break your legs, but I won't kill you. Right. You know, it might be one of those things. So it might be maybe like another influence that he's actually like coming on. That's why he's not murdering all of the the bad guys. Right. Right. No, no, no. It makes it makes sense that he's by the book and wouldn't do that. It also makes mm-hmm. for the fun joke about them all filling out paperwork afterwards. <laughs> yes. Um, and also like Olivia Coleman is one of the police the policemen. Uh, yeah, as soon as she showed up, I'm like, oh my god, it's her in this. She's great. I love her all the time, and she's really funny in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and every time she makes an inappropriate joke, how everybody laughs is really funny to me. (laughs) But like, stop everything they're doing and just like have a huge belly laugh at her joke about her being um promiscuous. Yeah, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but she does not care about which I love, but everybody thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, it's It's a a funny funny bit. bit. Um, and, uh, the Welshman just Mm -hmm. says the word that she would be like referring to like her double entendre. He just says the, the entendre. Yeah. So like, she'll make like some reference about being topless at the, on a, at a, at the, the scene of the 
<laughs> the scene of the crime where everyone gets decapitated, she makes a joke about being topless. Yeah. And then it pans back and the Welshman just goes, tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's those little bits. It's not even fire. laughing, really. <laughs> like just saying a word it's fine yeah or like the one where she like uh hits the the girl in the face at the end yeah. and she's like yep. it's about time for some girl on girl yep <laughs> it's like, and, and they like, all ah! stop and it comes out and laugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's great like you just yeah. you can't you can't be mad at that it's thoroughly inappropriate because i love the part where he's like am i going crazy why are you people laughing <laughs> but the thing is every time she tells a joke or somebody tells a joke you're like it's legitimately funny. That's why they're yeah. laughing. I mean, I, I but like, I think the movie knows that it's an inappropriate joke, and that's what yeah. the joke is, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's and that's what I'm trying to decipher with with high fidelity too. Is like, how much, how much does this movie know about itself? And I think that that it's this it's the same kind of joke, right? Where the movie doesn't isn't like this is how she is. It's like this is a joke that she says, and everyone <laughs> thinks it's funny, and that's the character choice, right? Yeah. Um, it's not that that's actually a funny thing that she's. I mean, it is funny because it's that's the joke, but it's you know what I mean. Like it's, but it's there's thoroughly a inappropriate though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no reason for her to be making jokes when there's two headless people in a car and yeah. their heads are on the ground beside you. Yeah, uh, making a, a boob joke at that point in time is thoroughly <laughs> inappropriate. But said boob joke is funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah exactly. You it's, can't it's, go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, you um, can't go wrong, I suppose. How, how do you rank the, the three movies of the Cornetto trilogy? The three flavors? Um, I actually think I rank them in order of the movies. Like, it's Shaun of the I Dead. I do as well. Was, yeah. Yep. And people really shit on At World's End. Like, a lot of people don't like that movie. But I think okay. that movie is great and hilarious. Hmm. Um, but it is, it's more... So, like, each movie sort of focuses on a man child um and him having experience to realize you gotta grow up a little bit i guess that's what these two movies have in common like there you go you know arrested development yeah like i spent a lot of time like trying to like type up the intro and i'm like what can i say about these i don't fucking know whatever and now after like an hour and a half two hours i have figured out what it is man children <laughs> it took talking to me to figure out <laughs> <laughs> what it is i'm like but what is it about, about you about that helped me hmm, yeah <laughs> um but like it's it's depending on who the man child is no and how they deal with being that version of themselves and what makes them change. And all of the movies is that there, there are people who they've known for a long time who are adults around them that make them finally realize they need to be better people. Mm-hmm. So like in Shaun of the Dead, it's like, you know, his mother and his stepfather die. His best friend gets turned into a zombie. But his girlfriend, who's been with him for a long time, is just like... I've decided to believe in you and you're going to do it. And then he finally realized I can do it and he makes it better. And yeah, he still has like, you know, he still wakes up and plays video games in the morning and, and whatever, but he's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Yes. I, I have no, <laughs> like my whole thing is like, people are just like, I don't understand why you play video games all the time. I'm like, what's what you like to go shopping all the time. Like I, you know, you want to go sit in a park. It's this. It's the same vice. It's the thing that lets you relax. And yeah. what, also, I don't have a problem we with in, that. We were in quarantine for a year and a half. This was my time to shine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All you normies. 
Yeah. You guys are having trouble. This yeah. is my life. You're just like, oh, this is how life is supposed to be. <laughs> was, what? Yes. Um, and in Hot Fuzz, it's um, Nick Frost in this one who's like the man child. And he's like, well, technically the first movie, both of them are man children. One dies and well, is zombified and one lives and becomes an adult. Um, where this one, it's like Simon Pegg is the actual adult who's brought in and sort of in his way makes him more of an adult, but mm-hmm. also uh, is allowed to realize he can find joy in life as well without taking everything so fucking seriously. Getting, being able to get out of his own head. Yeah, right. And then Which is another aspect of uh, high fidelity as well, right? That so is true, so in yes. His head. Yeah, everybody's just in there thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and in At World's End, it's about Nick Frost, who is stuck at being a 17-year-old still, the greatest days of his life, whereas everybody's known since he was a kid and the town he goes to have moved on from him being that age and he's got to figure out... I mean, it takes an alien invasion to figure out things, but... Mm-hmm. It happens and he ruins the world, but he's just like, nah, I did the right thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't seen that one in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I saw it in the theater and I didn't. I wasn't crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind revisiting that one. I haven't seen I it. I think. I think that one is more um, reflective because all of these movies have like certain points in it where there's like you know they tell a sad story or you know it's like a character development moment and it's a little slow, and I think. At World's End focuses more on that that has jokes in it than where these ones are jokes and then they throw in those little poignant moments. Um, And I think that's the difference between that one and these other two movies and why people who like the other two don't like that one as much because they're just like, nah, it's too touchy-feely. It's too much about like that guy committing, trying to commit suicide and being a sad sack. Oh, I forgot about that part of it. Yeah. 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 And like that part when it's revealed, you're like, oh shit, this is a lot worse than I thought it was. But even up until that, like from the first like the start of the movie it's just like stop being a fucking child grow up stop being a fucking child grow up then funny things happen and they're just like fine we'll get the band together we'll go have some drinks but it's a lot of self-reflection through the movie compared to like a bunch of jokes that happen to have some self-reflection in it so i think that's what it is what's is what's um what's that movie where every all the they all come together after a friend commits suicide is that the big chill? I think so. Isn't and that's a <laughs> and then there's a big chill reference in High Fidelity that we watched. Oh, which is oh, they, they couldn't forgive uh, a song for being um so uh, being affiliated in the big with chill. That's right. Yes. Chill. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I I forgot about that, but it does have another James Bond in it though. Um. So that's fun. <laughs> Yes. Pierce Brosnan's so it, in World End, where uh, Dalton is in uh, that. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it is the big chill. It that, is the big that chill. Is about yeah. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, maybe it's maybe that's sort of a a ref on that then. Huh. Maybe interesting. Hmm. Um. But that's yeah, a good summation though. That's a. I mean, that's a good way to your your what you just did was a good uh, good way to put these two movies together. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think about it before, like I was saying, but. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good summation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, any other any other notes for hot fuzz? No, I, I, think that, I think that pretty much covers it. I think your 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 rundown there was <laughs> pretty much covered. I think everything I needed to say. Yeah, I think my my wheelhouse is action flick. So like this was yeah. like in my wheelhouse, and I was like, I can break this down. This is fine. Everything's good. Um, and yeah, I saw all the references to all of the different things and the shooting and the whatever. I did come to the realization that I don't think I've ever watched all of Point Break. Um, right. And I think I think I remember that every single time I watch this and I say to myself, I should watch Point Break. And then I just don't. And then you just watch Fast and the Furious instead. Oh, God, no. Oh, my God. That reminds me yesterday on the bus. Yeah, I took the bus. Um, (laughs) uh, This woman was sitting with I want to assume is her daughter or her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell really what the relation was. A hundred percent. But they're definitely family. But she was. The older woman was explaining to this younger girl uh-huh. who was maybe like 16, 17, uh, was talking about how awesome the trailer for the recent Fast and Furious is. And she's really excited to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there going, wait, what? That mm-hmm. I mean, I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover and everything. But at the same time, even I was just like, no, you're staring your child wrong. Don't. Yeah. That. Okay. But- but I, then, I, hold on, hold on. But then I, the kid was just like, no, no, I just rewatched all of the other Fast and Furious to prepare to watch this movie. And I was like, no, it's too late. But yes. <laughs> so um, I went to the movies on Friday for the no. first time. Well, no, yay going to the movies, but I'm very scared of what you're going to tell me you watched. <laughs> I watched, I, I actually saw two movies. I saw Black Widow and then I saw Fast 9 after that. <sighs> yeah, I haven't, I... My schedule is so stupid. I haven't been able to see Black oh, Widow yet. It makes me. I, I I I had a half day and I took actually took it off as a sick day because I went to the dentist in the morning. Um, so I had I had the afternoon, and uh, Fast Nine was really good. Um, and here's why. Okay, it is <laughs> it is if have you seen how many of them have you seen? I have seen the first one and I have seen Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. So those, those are like examples. I don't get me wrong I have tried to watch a couple of the other ones and have given up. And I remember once I was at my brother's place he sat me in front of like Fast 5 or something. Yeah. Um one of the ones that has like the twist at the end like somebody comes back from the dead or right. some shit. I don't know. And like we were sitting there watching it but then he had to leave for some reason <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I'll pause it or you know or I'll I'll you want to take it home." And I was like, "No, nah, I'm good." And I just walked away from it. <laughs> so, like, I just it it did nothing for me. And I literally sat there the whole thing and went like, "Why am I looking at this?" Got like an hour in, and I'm pretty good at like, even if the movie's shitty, I'm like, I really want to see what the ending is. Yeah, yeah. Like how like this is a whole bunch of crap, but I got to see where it's going. With this, I was just like, "No, nah, I'm good." Just, it the the series takes a turn, and and I say that because the first three are pretty terrible. Uh, and the fourth is also pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, but then, the, and the fifth, I mean, strictly speaking, they're all terrible. But the, <laughs> fifth, the fifth takes its stupidity and ramps it up to a point where it's hilarious. And nine does that even more. Okay. <laughs> like, oh my God. it is so absurd. Yeah. Like, what's happening? And the character choices and the lines that they're saying are so funny. Yeah. And none of it makes any sense. It's sort of like, you know how like when you watch like the Mission Impossible movies, you watch the first three and they have kind of a different tone. They don't really know what they're doing. After that, they take there's a there's a tone shift where it goes so big, where it's so silly, but so fun. 
it does something and the fast and furious does something similar to that yeah well i mean the mission impossible like the first movie is completely different from every movie that comes after that in mission right. impossible and like because it's it's like kind of artsy at the same mm-hmm. time you know the second movie is just pure garbage like it just should never it's be made bad. like yeah. it is you're like you watch it and you're just like what were you thinking this makes no sense and the third movie you're just like yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And yeah. yeah, four was just like, what the fuck? This is what, yeah. you know? And even up until now, like, what was the last one? Like, um, yeah. it's the one that had, had Henry Cavill in it. And yeah, it was, it was Fallout was the last one, right? Fallout. Yes. Yeah. Fallout. Um, and it is just so big and so ridiculous for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. But God, you like watching it. You're just like, yes, that's good. There's there is that level with Fast Night, like and and it's also like there are jokes in it, like 100 percent. Like they are and there is a self-awareness to it as well, Mm -hmm. which is also like I really did enjoy Hobbs and Shaw. I must admit, I actively went out and watched this movie in the theater. It was one of like the, the last movies I saw in the theater. And then I saw two in the theater during the pandemic. But um. I I liked it and I was mad essentially, um, but it's I think super it had, dumb. it's super <laughs> dumb. But I think it has more to do with like The Rock and Jason Statham and they're like combatants with each other than anything else. But then the thing that kills me is that last sequence in like Samoa or wherever they mm-hmm. are fucking annoys me like that whole last sequence just annoys the shit out of me yeah. but up until that point you're just like this is a great like action flick like i you, like all this nonsense you mean the part where the rock holds the two giant pieces of chain connected to a truck and a helicopter, helicopter? yeah yes that mm-hmm. is so funny <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> what he's not a superhero like, exactly are, like it's it's but that's the thing it's like all of these things, it's it's also become a motif in these movies that cars are like um are like landing pads. Like no. you can fall from a huge distance and land on a car and you're okay. Yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's a car. Yeah, you won't dent the car. <laughs> it's it's easy, nothing happens. And and even if it's moving, you can still hit that target just fine. Like, yeah. ugh, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just sort of like, wait, what? It's like yeah. there was a part where she goes like how did you know there was going to be a car there? And like, that's your question. <laughs> is how did you know there was going to yeah. be a car and not, yeah. why aren't we dead anyway? Yeah. <laughs> how did we live? Yeah. Uh, you know, did, did physics just stop all of a sudden? <laughs> like what is, did we lose gravity and I floated? <laughs> like, is there a vacuum that I should know about? But if you like know. big, dumb action movies, yeah, I would say fast nine is definitely that. Oh God. Okay. Yep. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you're talking me into like wanting to watch it and it makes me upset. <laughs> it's also the second movie I had seen in a theater in a year and a half. Although I didn't like Black Widow very much. So oh. I, I wasn't that uh, I wasn't that uh, Oh, I know two other biased. people who saw it and they were just like, Oh, it's really good. And I was like, All right. Okay. I, I yeah, it's it's fine. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with anyone that liked it. Mm-hmm. It was just something not, not it was just there was aspects of it that were not to my taste. Gotcha. Okay. It was. It was. I think it was darker than I wanted it to be. I think oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, despite not seeing it, I can already think of the aspects that you might yeah. be thinking of. Yes. And it's just okay. like, ugh. yeah, yeah. 
But I think that's the whole point. Oh, no. Because it's come up before in the other Marvel stuff. But every time it comes up, it just takes like this very dark tone for a minute. And then they've got to like make everybody smile again. And you're just like, oh. Well, that's what I mean. I'm not going to disagree with someone that liked it. It just wasn't something I wanted from it. Yeah. And that's and that's I think that's fair for everybody. I think so. Not for me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I definitely have to go get that watch before I it gets spoiled for me because yeah. ugh, I hate things being spoiled. And like even with um, watching Loki and stuff, it comes mm-hmm. out on a Wednesday, which I think is stupid. But people are watching it on Wednesday anyways. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I watch Saturday morning. I wake up, mm-hmm. get my bowl of cereal, put on my shows. I watched it this morning. Yeah, I watched it yesterday morning. That's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. And it was great. But three days of having to avoid things being spoiled is surprisingly difficult. Yep. So yeah, but it's good. I liked Loki though. It was fun. It was great. It's a lovely adventure and stuff. There's going to be more. I thought the, um, um, the production design was amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, cause I mean, I know uh, like with uh, uh, WandaVision, they were doing all like the different times and whatever. Mm-hmm. So every episode had like a slightly different look. And with uh, Winter Soldier, it's just like high production value. But yeah. with this, like the colors and the feels in, in each place and like the color palette of all the locations had a very different, a very specific mm-hmm. um, like color palette. That and were, they built all those things, right? Yeah, like that's all, these are all unique things. Yeah. 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 Which is very cool. And also the one where they were doing, they were going to all the catastrophes and uh, like and Armageddon's, I think is what they called them, were just so cool. Like, you're just yeah. like, what? That's yeah. Cool. No, it was a fun show. I like yeah. It, it was definitely a fun trip. So I'm looking forward to see, like, I think this starts off the uh, uh, Doctor Strange's next movie, the Multiverse of Madness, I think is yes. where it's going. Yeah, no, Marvel then, has gone the um, we are we there, we have we can do no wrongs. We're mm-hmm. just gonna do crazy wrestling stuff from now on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think they are doing the like we're taking shit from the comic books the right way compared to mm-hmm. you know like the Batman stuff from before we were talking about. Yeah. So. Um, and I think they have figured out their formula uh, correctly and they're they're running with it. And hopefully, I mean, I, I really hope they don't drop the ball. But also, this is a lot of superhero stuff. And I just can't stop watching it. It's, yeah. I, it's just fun. It like is it's, just fun. Yeah. It's, I, it's really, uh, it does exactly what I want it to do. It, mm-hmm. it makes me laugh and, and have fun for an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, and like I, I love the fact that now with this second set coming up, they're focusing on a lot of comic book characters that I know nothing about. So everything about it is just like brand new. Yeah. So I get to watch it from like the quote unquote layman's experience from like the earlier stuff where I'm like, oh no, I know tidbits of all of these things. So I can figure it out what they're doing. I'm like, eh, you know, like even with like Iron Man and, and all that kind of stuff, Guardians of the Galaxy was the only one I didn't know anything about mm-hmm. before now. But like even with like, Kang coming up and like all that stuff. Like I don't know anything about him. Yeah, I don't know anything about them. So I'm just like I'm very interested to see like where they're gonna come from. Well, I think there's about 18 Marvel projects happening within the next like 18 months. So I think uh, you'll be good. Yeah, I think there's what uh, two TV shows and four movies before the end of the year. Some nonsense. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So (laughs) all of the things happening. Um, yeah, so I mean, if they made Hot Fuzz now, they probably would have had influence from that. Ha ha, yeah. segue! Yay! Yay. Paul Blart. <laughs> Paul Blart. 
Um, yeah, no, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed rewatching this movie, which I yeah. realized I haven't watched in a while. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do really like these movies. Oh, my yeah, God. I, I don't think I, I probably hadn't seen it in 10 years. Yeah. Well, really, that no, I don't no. think it's that long for me. Maybe like five, four, no. I don't know, something. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, so any any um, any last notes for any of, no. of these movies or recommendations? I had, fun. I had fun doing this and I had fun watching the movie. So I'm a, yeah. a pleasure as always, Tracy. Thank you. Yay. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And of course, we're going to be back for some stuff later on this year. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. I hope people enjoy these longer episodes because we we dive deep into these ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's it for Off My Shelf. Um, until next time, you can follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to Oh My Shelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we will be talking about two perplexing films, Hudson Hawk and I Heart Huckabees. Hope you'll be here to listen.